Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good Friday afternoon and welcome into Grant and Danny. Got a great show planned for you today, including a Beltway Blitz at four, and that's when we're giving away Caps tickets for the final time this week. So if you want to go see the caps in the good seats. You better be listening in two hours. Also, juicy three o'clock hour. We'll kick it off with a show announcement. Oh. Right at three o'clock. Pretty big show announcement, I would say. That's 58 minutes from right now. And then at 3.30, Monica Dixon of Monumental Sports joins us to discuss the Wizards and the Caps potential move to Virginia. And then we will go point counterpoint. She obviously looking forward to the move with Monumental. We'll have Kevin Blackstone, a columnist with the Washington Post, a revered thinker in this area on sports at 345. He is not as excited about the Wizards and the Capitals moving out of the city. So we'll go back to back with those guest spots in the three o'clock hour. Danny, how are you? You mentioned the Caps, buddy. I'm good. Uh, I came in first last night. Beat Tampa Bay on the road. I thought once they give up that two goal lead, I had an Al Michaels. Here we go. Kind of moment. Like, okay, this one's over. Bummer, you played well enough to get a two-goal lead. That's nice, but here comes the better team with a little bit more skill. And would you know it, the good guys ended up with more goals than the bad guys. Don't look now. Are you are you feeling a little tingle? Are you feeling a little buzz, a little tingle, a little, uh, little movement there? I'm getting there. You I getting will something? be able to answer your question after they play the Cats this weekend. They play Florida tomorrow night, one of the best teams in the East, team that's been a pain in their butt. If they can go out and play 60 inspired minutes and get a win – on the road in Sunrise, it'd be their fourth in a row. They could do it in regulation, you know, eight points without their opponents, other teams in the East that are playoff caliber teams getting points in those games. I'll be feeling a lot better. But they've now gotten within five points of playoff contention. And maybe most importantly, they're scoring goals right now. All of a sudden, yeah. It's been a lengthy wait. I mean, all year long, we've been waiting for them to get this thing going offensively. 15 goals over their last three games. It's the first time I looked this up all season long in any three-game span that they've scored 15 goals. So that is healthy. 
Connor McMichael, two goals in each of his last two games. He had eight goals through 51 contests. He's got four over the last couple of games for the Capitals. Uh, obviously, Ovechkin has been on a complete heater. And he's been playing excellent hockey. You know, forget just the, the goals, eight in eight games going into last night, but point streak of 10 or more games now. First time he's done that since 2018 when he had a 14-game streak. If you look at skaters 38 or older since 1973 with double-digit games in a row with points, you know, there are only six or seven guys who have had 10 or more games with a point. The name is, is it's Brett Hall, Nick Lindstrom, Stevie Iserman, Adam Oates, Phil Esposito, and Alex Ovechkin. Pretty good players in there, some, yeah. Some icons. He's got 22 points in his last 19 games, 10 goals and 12 assists. So he's been playing very well. The team is playing very well. Not all good news, though. Oh, yeah, this was tough. The TJ Oshie injury last night was a dagger. Uh, if you guys didn't see it, non-contact, he crawled off the ice. Now, luckily for him, he, he kind of went down right by the bench. But he then, quite literally, crawled like a toddler, you know, an infant, uh, who can't yet take those steps over to the, the bench. He was doubled over, eventually helped down the tunnel. I'm speculating like everybody else. Didn't it look like the back just completely locked up or a core? First, I was thinking maybe groin or something, but whatever it was, it didn't look good. You heard Toby in the update say Spencer Carberry said they've got some concerns kind of moving forward now. Oh, she did tweet last night that he'll be back. You could see by the reaction from everybody involved, by the way, both on Tampa and on Washington, that they didn't like it. it, it this, this didn't look good. I think I think it was Victor Hedman, an excellent player for for Tampa Bay, trying to help Oshie to the bench. He's also you know, just in one real of those beloved guys. You like, know, like if you spent three minutes around Osh, you're all in. You're not necessarily doing that because a guy has a little stinger in his shoulder or yeah. like his, his his hand is smarting. That, that looked serious enough. Obviously, in hockey, we'll find out precious little for, for days on end, maybe weeks, months, and then maybe, you know, in, in five years, he's like, yeah, it was really, really bad. I blew my knee out or something. I mean, who knows? Wish him the best. Hope he's okay. But, yeah, that was a tough scene last night watching him go down. So, fingers crossed. They didn't practice today until right now at 2 o'clock. So, we'll get an update on Oshi hopefully here early on in our show when they speak, if they're willing to provide something. Uh, other side of the spectrum from the Caps rolling over their last few. The Wizards got beat by 20 last night. They fall to 9-46. and 46. They got jokered. Nikola Jokic, 21 points, 19 rebounds, 15 assists. I read that this was the first time anyone ever went 21, 15, and 15 without missing a shot, which is what he did last night. He messed around and just about got a triple-double in the first half. The Wizards just didn't really have any answers. Good game for Kyle Kuzma, 31 points in 31 minutes. Uh, Bilal Koulibaly started, which was great. He only scored four points in 32 minutes. And the highlight, I guess, I'll use air quotes here, of the game. I posted this video. If you haven't seen it, you have to go it watch it. It is tough. It, well, it's hilarious. I mean, it's it, tough, too, I guess. If, you know, if you're a Wizards fan, it's not like a fun hilarious. But Jordan Poole, who got benched yesterday, and somehow inexplicably was, like, bothered about getting benched. I guess he's a competitor, so it makes sense. But I would have thought he just said, yeah, I'm not playing very well. I got to earn my way back into the lineup. He's like, yeah, if you got common sense, you know how I feel. I'm going to keep it moving, though. He made it pretty clear he was annoyed. Jordan Poole last night is inbounding the basketball at one point, and he, like, pump fakes and then does this thing where he drops the ball right in front of him thinking that Corey Kispert's going to grab it. But Kispert is kind of moving away, and it immediately goes right to Denver's player, not Corey Kispert. 
and then Poole like grabs his head. It's just one of the funniest looking videos in a sad way that you'll see all NBA season. And I think they have a uh, segment on TNT that they do like uh, Shacked in a fool. Shacked in a fool. But this is actually just a Jordan Poole version. It's Shacked in a pool. Yeah, just Shacked in a pool there. Uh, and and jo- this will be the highlight of that where Jordan Poole just like drops the ball in front of him and is like, oh, darn it. So funny. Good way to send a message you, you deserve back in that first five. Go four for 17. You know, look like you're bored or or disinterested at times. I've got a take. What a disaster this has been. My take is the Jordan Poole move has not worked out very well. I got it on paper. I actually liked it. I thought, what a great change of scenery candidate. We know about him and Draymond Green getting into it, and I'm sure they found him annoying on the championship caliber club. Maybe this is a little shake of awakening. Go to a bad club. I thought he was going to be one of the league leaders in scoring. I said that into a microphone. Good gravy has this been a disaster. I, I'd be just fine, by the way, if he doesn't play. Seriously. What, what are you going to do, lose? I, I, I don't have much interest in watching whatever that is. I'd rather have a young, hungry player that's desperate to make the league go four for 17 than, than watch that guy on, on a nightly basis. It, it, it is a tough watch at times watching that dude not care at times. All is quiet right now on the Nats front. If we could go full circle in D.C. sports out at spring training. The big story, really, uh, the showdown is set for tomorrow. There is a deadline for players to show up at camp. Steven Strasburg has not reported. This would be a non-story, except that the Nationals have said they expect him to be there, even though Strasburg is not going to pitch this year or ever again. He and the team, last we heard at the end of last season, were at odds over how much money he was going to be given for the remainder of his contract if he retired and what kind of celebration there would be and when to honor his career. We'll get into all of this at 425 today here on Grant and Danny. But the bottom line is we're waiting to find out if he shows up tomorrow or not. And if he doesn't, I guess theoretically this could become a big deal and the team could make it a big deal. I would imagine they wouldn't. Like they're not going to go to war with Steven Strasburg. I think they just kind of move forward and it's a nothing burger and he's not around. But I'm assuming because there is a deadline, there wouldn't be a deadline for no reason, right. that there is a way that they could, all not not unlike an NFL player not showing up for training camp, even though this guy's hurt and he's never going to play again, they, they could make it a thing if they want to make it a thing. It's one of those, remember how we were talking about this with Trent Williams and Bruce Allen and, and maybe I guess now we know he was a proxy for Dan Snyder where they might have been right, put that in quotes. I mean, if this was, there's there's a lot of he said, they said, I said, we said, people talking past each other. I don't know. We still don't know the entire story, I feel like, with that. But the question I asked wasn't about which side are you on. The question is, what's the upside here? What do you hope happens? What do you want out of this? Do you want Trent Williams to play football for you? If so, this is not the way to go about it. He's one of the best players in the NFL still, by the way. You could have used him. Go to this. Now, with, with Strasburg, what's what's the end game here? What do we want? What are we hoping to accomplish? If it's for him to be a mentor Marty, but still on the 40-man, taking up a roster spot for three years until his contract's up, if that's the goal, I go, okay. Then I guess we start enforcing stuff and, and make him do that. If it's to have him off your books as soon as possible, I don't know that this is helping there. You're not getting him to work with you if you start making it a big deal. I don't know. This is a fascinating situation that I feel like is about to come to a head. All right, let's get to the NFL. Salary cap news today was massive around the league, and it's a big deal for Washington, among other clubs. The salary cap has risen an unprecedented $30.6 million this offseason, 
to a record 255.4 million per team. The NFL made the announcement today that the 2024 season will have a much larger salary cap than was expected. We've seen numbers floating around the mid-240s. There was a report this past week that came out that teams think it's going to be actually closer to 250, and we blew past that. A pretty shocking 13.6% increase over last year's cap and a sign that the league is entering a new phase of revenue that's just exploding. So when we talk about you can't pay this player or can you really afford to give a quarterback that kind of money, I think we need to take into account how massively the cap is exploding. And even though the teams didn't know it, nobody knew it this year, this cushions any blow you've got. When mm-hmm. you hear numbers like, you know, Dak Prescott wants $60 million a year in, against the cap or, you know, whatever his AAV is going to be. And his cap number is not going to be that every single season, obviously. But the initial thought is you can't pay that. And I'm not suggesting Dak's the best quarterback or should be getting that. But my point is the numbers are getting bigger and bigger. And you're going to have to deal with it because where you're going to have to recalibrate your mindset on this is the salary cap number is getting huge. Mm -hmm. And the majority of it, you divvy it up, you go offense, defense, whatever. The the highest paid player that takes up the highest percent, maybe 20% of it is 255.4 mil is the quarterback position. So if you do that math and you say, okay, I'm going to pay my quarterback you know, 18% of 255 mil, that's 45 million a year. So th- that's how this number right. comes about. It's not out of thin air, but 30.6 million as a leap. So what does this mean for Washington? Well, they already had the most money in the NFL to spend, projected a little over $70 million. We thought when all the, the money shook out based on the cap growing, that it would be closer to 80. And because it's a bigger cap than we anticipated, the Commanders now have $85 million plus. It's actually right at $87 million bucks in cap space, number one in the NFL. They got more money than a bachelor who just hit the lottery, bro. They can do whatever they want this offseason. Almost $90 million in cap space. An unbelievable amount for the Commanders to go throw around if they want to. Interesting to old... Fanny Mouye here. Something that that Randy Duye happened to notice. GP, what are the who who, are the, who has the first three picks in this year's draft? What, what's the top three? Top of your head, you know who it is. Who's who's got the top three in terms of picks? Yeah, the first three picks in the draft. Well, I mean, I think we get that. We it's know that Chicago, Washington, and New England. Here are the teams with the three most cap space: Washington, New England, and the Bears. No coincidence there. Just something to think about when we talk about you can't spend or you don't want to spend or you got to keep it tight. Now I know the Bears you know, finished whatever it was, 7th or 8th or ninth, and they swapped with Carolina. But that's kind of the point here, is the teams that don't have a lot of cap space, a lot of them are a lot better than often than Washington is. Use it judiciously, judici- judiciously. Wow, hard for me to say. But use it. Don't just leave it, because you'll end up back here again. That's kind of my axiom for that moment. But yeah, Washington's got flexibility here. They've got the ability to... Say, to roll some of this over while making sort of smart decisions and adding some players, they could go big game hunting. You you can play it however you want to do it. And I think the, the essential question that we're not going to know until they start making moves or not is Peters and company, do they feel like this is quick? Or do they come in and go, you guys don't understand. This this group right here pointing to the local 53, 
There ain't the talent you guys think it is well, because you guys they, know you know some of the names. That doesn't mean they're any good. Why would they think it's quick? I mean, Josh Harris in every sport that he owns, nothing's been quick. The Devils, they they tore it down to the studs, and it's been a several-year build. The Sixers gave you the process. Uh, they're drafting a rookie quarterback, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, it, it, what evidence is there that they will try to win fast? Because in the NFL, that happens more so well, than you, the other you, sports. You can, you can do it just by, you know, picking good players. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, in terms of putting together a plan or, or like, ownership in the front office suggesting, hey, we want to win right now, that, that's kind of the opposite of what they've said all along. Typically. It's brick by brick, we're going to do this thing over time. But, like, w- w- yes, but I think that there's a different conversation in can they maybe be competitive and win like the Houston Texans did last year if C.J. Stroud is Drake May, you know what I'm saying? Or, or like, they didn't come in and say, we're going to win this season. The Texans said, it's going to take time. We're going to build this thing over a few years. Whoops, C.J. Stroud's awesome. Tankdale's great. We look, might win a bad division. Yeah, look at us. Let's rock and roll. But I don't have any thought that this ownership group or front office is here to try to win in 2024. Do you? That's what I don't know. You're much more certain of it than I am. I look at the ingredients, which is five draft picks in the top 100, basically. More cap space than anybody else. There's an opportunity, if you'd like to get a lot better, in a division that I think is maybe a little bit more open than, than it would have been over the last couple of years, right? there is a chance to be a lot better. Now, I wouldn't take it. I would I would say, we're going to be so unbelievably patient. We're gonna I'm going to bother a lot of you fans that have been waiting around for 30-some years, but I'm going to show you this is where we want to go. But there's an opportunity to improve but by so a lot. I, so I misunderstood what you're saying. Yeah, I believe that they should. I mean, they have the draft picks. If you hit on those and you spend some money, you'll be good fast. You're saying, would they make the choice to not spend, essentially? And to not try to uh, not try to improve, but like happy thing. medium because they're they're going to sign players. I mean, you, you guys have cap yeah. space, but do you go. I got eighty seven point oh five million. I'm spending eighty seven point oh five million to to bring me the best players because we got a chance right now to do something. It wouldn't make sense to do that with a rookie quarterback. I don't think. Agreed. You know, to me, you want to be in a really good financial position when this guy takes flight next year and the year after. So yeah, I, I would say that's unrealistic to think that you'd spend up to the 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 ceiling of your eighty seven million. But I think there's a big gap between doing nothing and that where you're aggressive, you go get a few high end starters, you you know, you spend a ton of money. You could spend a ton of money and that's not ninety million. Right. Right. I mean, it's gotta look way different to me than what Rivera's off seasons looked like, where they went and got Norwell and Trey Turner, and we were supposed to be excited. And in the rare occasion where they spent big, it was on a quarterback in his 40s or it was on a cornerback who they were using in a completely different scheme who they were wrong about. Who wasn't a household name, by the way, anyway. And William Jackson was a fine addition at the time, but it wasn't like he was a three-time pro bowler who played at an all-pro level. I mean, they just paid him a bunch of money, projected him to be a lot better in their thing. Here's where we should start, though, Danny. The news of the day, I think, is significant for people to react to. That they have more money than even we thought. We've spent so much time talking about how rich they are from a cap space standpoint and how much they can do if they want to. What is the first thing that you think they should do in free agency? Knowing that they're probably going to take a quarterback at number two, but we don't have any other indicators on their draft plan, I don't think. Do you? No. It's fair Beyond to say, that, no. You know, quarterback at two and then wide we, open. We, we can list some some positions of need and desire, but yeah, there's a, there's a whole period between now and then where they could fill some of those. 
So free agency begins in a little over two weeks. If you're running the show and you're holding the $87 million, what is the first thing you would do when free agency began? What would be your chief priority? 800-636-1067 is the number on the MGM National Harbor listener lines. We'll open them wide up for you. 800-636-1067. And let's dive into our free agency blueprint Mm -hmm. with more money even than we thought. $87 million. And, And here's an interesting question. Is this a good or bad thing for Washington that the cap just went up? Because from a relative standpoint, like if everyone has more money, maybe they can be more active as well. Exactly. You might have almost rather the cap not have exploded, even though you have more money, when you're not going to spend up to the cap. Literally the point that I was going to make when we came back. You're 100% so right. We should dive into that. G&D on the fan. Big announcement out of the NFL today. Salary cap has risen more than even expected. Unprecedented. $30 million leap to $255.4 million. There's a couple of reasons for this. Notably, the TV deal. You know, some of the media rights that were sizable, there was an explosion going into 2024. And everything that we had working off of, you know, the projections was just, what was anticipated, the numbers came back. There was a pretty big discrepancy. Better for the teams and for salary cap space than we thought. So the commanders gained $15 million. They are now up to $87 million. But that means teams all over the league gained $15 million. And Danny, while it's still good to have the most, yes. it's still good to have $87 million. We're both in lockstep that they're not spending $87 million in this year's cap. Might be smart, actually, to front-load a deal or two, to be honest with you, if you're not going to spend it all so that you get the benefit on the back end, maybe, of paying guys a little bit less. But they're not going to spend all $87 If you've got more than everybody else, you're probably better off with everybody having less, not more. That's it. So there are two reasons for that. One, A, salaries go up, right? So in other words, everyone's like, well, the cap just went up, so what was 20 now costs you 23 what was 23 now costs you 27. That's just normal. That's the way of doing business. That's how salaries have, have gone up so precipitously for so many different positions over the years. That's number one. But number two, a team that may have had, for the sake of argument, 30 million in cap space now is closer to 50. And some of those free agents aren't free agents anymore. Some of those guys can now afford to be kept. Think, um, you know, uh, I think of top of my head, uh, T. Higgins in Cincinnati, really good player. He is a free agent. Maybe now Cincinnati can go, we actually just kind of can keep the band together with him coming off of a down year. Things like that, it lessens the pool a little bit. Those are my concerns about it. But still, you'd rather have the most than have the least. 800-636-1067 is the number you want to join us. The question we've asked you is, what's your number one priority when free agency kicks off a couple of weeks from now? Uh, For me, I talked about this yesterday. I want to address both lines in free agency with a marquee addition. So I'm going out and I'm getting an impact edge that can get to the quarterback and lead my team, hopefully with double-digit sacks. I think my starting defensive ends next year, ideally, one will be a free agent addition who makes a bunch of money this offseason. The other will be a draft pick that I take in that 36 or 40 range, or if I move back with one of those picks you know, shortly thereafter. And I think if those two guys combined can go get me somewhere around you know, maybe 10 and a half to 12 sacks from the guy I signed for a bunch of money and another five to six sacks for the rookie. I think I'd be in a really good spot in terms of 
you know, pass rush win rate and pressures and some of what I'm looking for. So that's my ideal situation. So if you want names, I threw some at you yesterday. I can go back through them. Bryce Hoff from the Jets is going to hit free agency. He was projected by PFF at $17 million a year, three years, $51 million. The projection probably climbs now with the, the cap number changing a little bit. Um, but even if it's, you know, three years, it's $60 million or something, uh, I would be happy to go pay. I'm saving money still from not having paid Montez Sweat, and I think I'm getting a guy that's going to put up similar pass-rushing numbers to Montez Sweat. So I would do something like that. Uh, if, if he's not your guy, there are other options, right? Uh, Jonathan Grenard from the Texans coming off 12-and-a-half sacks, two eight-plus sack seasons in a four-year career, 26 years old. I think you could have him for a little bit cheaper. Uh, he's expected to make around 16. Let's say that jumps to 18 or 19. I think you could sign someone like him if you wanted to go even uh, into the next tier down and go with Doris Armstrong from the Cowboys who worked with Dan Quinn in Dallas. You could have him for 10 to $12 million a year at most. He's only 26. He's good against the run and the pass. So, you know, for all of those reasons, uh, I'm going edge. And then I'm going with an interior offensive lineman probably. Now, the tackle market's not great. I'm probably going to have to address that in the draft. But if I can get a dynamic center or a dynamite guard who can start and make me a lot better on the left side opposite Cosme, then I'm willing to pay for that in free agency as well. I'm starting there, right where you just ended. Uh, maybe Connor Williams from Miami uh, center or wherever you find that you think fits Kingsbury's scheme, design, whatever you want to do, I'm upgrading the center spot. I'm not leaving this to a guy that you know was overdrafted in Ricky Stromberg or a dude that was hurt more than he was healthy in Nick Gates. I'm not doing that rotating whatever the hell it is at that position anymore. I want that settled. I'm going to try to find one other offensive lineman in free agency, whether it's a guard, whether it's a tackle, somebody else. As you said, the tackle market's not great. You got a guy, you got guys with wrinkles like Jonah Williams, former first-round pick, but he missed a bunch of time because he hadn't been healthy. Even though it's not great, you could still upgrade. But though. that's my point. You could go to like tier two, tier three, and be on the same level or a little better than Wiley. I'm doing Probably. that so that I don't have to do it in the draft. I'd like to do it in the draft also, but if it doesn't break my way, I don't want to be like, oh, my God, I can't do anything because I don't have a right tackle. So I'm going to go a center, right tackle. I love your your point about edge. Probably my second signing would be Dorrance Armstrong from uh, from Dallas. Yeah, an edge and a O-lineman early in free agency, like day one, day two, to just get everything going. And then you can kind of, if you want to play the Rivera game after that, where you kind of pick your spot, you find your fits, you look for some values, I'd be cool with that. Because you, you were aggressive and you went out and you got a couple of studs who, who can be really good players. But that's how you win in this league is, is with you know, great players. And they just lack them. No pro bowlers last year. Let's go to Chris in D.C. on G&D. What's up, buddy? How are you? What's going on? Um, you basically hit it right on the head. I definitely would go pass wrestler first. And quick question. Is Josh Allen, you don't think he's going to be – uh, Valley, but I mean, Jacksonville probably won't let him go. I, I don't think he'll get smart. free. I think he'll get, you know, either he's going to stay again on the tag or bottom line is he's going to want a ton of money too, right? So, but I think Josh Allen stays in Jacksonville. I think Burns is the guy that could get free. There's still oh, a chance okay. he gets tagged. But Burns, I mean, those guys are going to be, be in looking, the 20s. 20s. He'll be 30 million is what he's asking for right now. You know, Montez Sweat That's just crazy. got 26. I mean, you're talking about $30 wow. million dollars a year. Well, outside of the pass rusher and offensive line, you, know, you both covered that. I would say maybe tight end. I think I heard a couple good names. Maybe that could probably come in and be a a tight end one. Definitely an upgrade over whatever we have. I'd rather take a veteran tight end than a rookie. But we'll see. 
Thanks, buddy. Yeah, names like Hunter Henry, Dalton Schultz, Gerald Everett, Mike Jacecki, Noah Fant, names that you've heard of that you've added and dropped on your fantasy team probably 67 times each. You know, like those guys are around. Do you like that market a lot? I mean, the guy that is of most interest to me there is the guy that I wanted last year, which is Schultz, who mm-hmm. went like 60 and 600 with five touchdowns. Um, but last year he was 26. You know, now he's on the verge of being 28. Um, he's coming off a year where he made $6.2 million. If you could get him back at that number, that's great. You could then not have to look at tight end until the mid-rounds. I was talking to Logan Paulson a couple weeks ago. He's got a couple tight ends he loves that he's worked with slash studied and all this stuff that he thinks could go in the somewhere around the third, fourth. Like You wouldn't have to take a Jatavion Sanders, Sanders in round two out of Texas if you could get a Dalton Schultz, and then you could even add a weapon, young kind of playmaking tight end in the mid-rounds. That would be a heck of an upgrade at that position. 100%. And again, last year I screamed about this, but nobody cared or they would say, no, we, we got Logan Thomas and, and John Bates and maybe even Cole Turner. But it was not an expensive upgrade. Some of the salaries these guys got were, were, you know, did not change in the fortunes of any franchise would have been such an easy way to upgrade an offense. Tight end is is one of the most still undervalued positions in the league. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Uh, where are you on Noah Fant? I thought he was going to be such a great NFL player at, at, coming out of college. I mean, central casting. Yeah. We're talking about like big, strong, fast. Looks like he can do everything. It doesn't happen. Been with two teams. He got traded, obviously, from Denver to Seattle in the Russell Wilson deal. But it, it seemed to me he had a 60-catch, 600-yard, and then a 70-catch, 700-yard season in Denver, and I thought he was on his way. This past year, 32 catches for 400 yards in 17 games. That's pretty disappointing. Very much so. Uh, but he is 26. We've seen him play at a high level. Because of he's coming off that year, maybe you could get value out of him, and Fant would actually be. An interesting name if they want to address tight end and free agency. Let's go to Jay in D.C. What's up, Jay? Hey, Jay. What's up, you guys? Please get Logan on before free agency. That would be dope. Um, yeah, we'll get him on a couple times. First, we'll get him on a couple times next week. First thing, I'm, I'm just bringing back Joey Sly and bringing back Cam Curl. But, like, honestly, I disagree with you guys with the interior line thing. I think since we have so much, so much capital right now, I think we got to just go get – the best tackle that's available. I, like, we, everybody on our team looks like a guard. Like, that's my biggest problem with Ron Rivera, <laughs> that he brought in nobody that actually looked like a tackle. We but had position flex, Jay. Five. Position flex is the most important thing in the world, right? So it's good for us now because all those guys can move in. All those guys yeah. can move in the guard. I think, like, get, if you guys get a, a draft expert on, everyone has been saying, like, the guys that are going to go in, like, the second round as tackles, don't look like they can really start at tackle. Like, a lot of those guys are guards. Like, I think, like, if you, like, I think if we go get a tackle right now, like, second round, that's the best time to get, like, a guard or center. But because if you pay somebody three years right now, you're blocking someone like Ricky Strongworth, which I kind of disagree that he was overdrafted. I think he's a he's a good player. He, he was probably their best draft pick last year besides, besides um, um what's, what's your boy name, Stacey. So I, I don't know. I just I just kind of disagree with that. I think. Well, look, I have no problem, Jay, Thanks, signing Jay. the tackle. What I just keep pointing out is that the market is not great. Like if you're looking at left tackles, the the number three rated left tackle on the board is Cornelius Lucas, who's the backup tackle here. That's what I'm just trying to point out that, that there isn't a whole lot. If you like Donovan Smith, who struggled his butt off with the Chiefs last year then you could sign him for the cheap. And that, to me, is Wiley 2.0, where you bring him in here. You don't have Mahomes and Reed kind of playing around and coaching around his deficiencies. If you want a tackle, though, 
Tyron Smith, the career cowboy who is younger than you'd think for having been in the league for 12 years. He's only 33 years old. He's dealt with all kinds of injuries and things, but he's been really good when he was healthy. Um, that's a name to keep in mind. The right tackle market is better, and I think that's good news for Washington, in my opinion, because I think they need a right tackle more than a left tackle, not to say you don't want to upgrade at left tackle over uh, Leno, let's say. Maybe you could kick him over to the right side if, if you went and got a left tackle. But on the right side, you know, you've got Jonah Williams, who Danny's talked about, George Fant, who's 32 years old from the Texans, who only made a few million dollars last year, Trenton Brown with the Patriots, Andrus Pete, New Orleans, probably the top available guy in terms of what he's made. So uh, don't misunderstand me. If they sign a tackle, I'll be happy. It's a need. I'm just saying that I think the guard and center pool in free agency is better Might be a little deeper. than the tackle pool. And I'm addressing it that way because then I can attack tackle in the draft. I think you can get a tackle at 36 that starts on the right side right away. I feel pretty good about that. Larry's in D.C. What's up, Larry? And my very sanest father's voice. This is the second best radio group ever in the history of radio. Thank you. Oh, wow. I like being number two. I'll take that. I'm afraid to ask who's number one. I, 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 honestly, man, it's always going to be B-Mitch and, and, and Fendi, man. I, oh, okay. I, I'm just not a fan of the junk, no disrespect. but You can't be doing um, that. Going, not, I, I've done Sterno's house and Ecadis and Heaton, man, working for Crop Metcalf. It's, you know, it's all love. It's, it's all five stars. Yeah, it's all love. It's five stars. It sounds like love. Give me a $25 tip, so I, it's, all, it's all love. But I'm just, what I like is, is, is B-Mitch and them first. You guys are second all time in my book. That's okay. just my opinion. Well, you're when, when you're number two all time, that's good when you're number two on the current station you're on. Feels a little less good, but, it, it, but, let, but let's I'll, not. I'm gonna take the first part. If we're gonna finish second, a couple of buddies of mine, I'll, I'll take that. So what's going on? What do you got? Um, honestly, I, I go get Devin White first. I think he he shows up. So you want to go puts, linebacker? I want to go linebacker because defense is important. With putting him as the captain and putting Jeremy Davis outside, that's what we've been missing: a quarterback on defense and a quarterback on offense. You get him on on defense. And and you sign Cam Curl back, but as I told you guys earlier, and you just said it a couple of times, is the tackle market wasn't what you're not going to get the Patriots. Um, Brown, they they had offensive line problems all year um, with with those guys, and then you just mentioned it with Smith. He also had the other tackle for, that Tom Brady had that forced Tom Brady's retirement. He had the two worst tackles in Kansas City, but what was the difference? Mahomes, that was the difference. Yeah, I, I, that's totally. the problem. It is a good breakdown. Of the tackles. The linebacking spot, which we haven't talked a lot about, uh, is an area where the, the previous group neglected it. I don't think there's any reason to believe this group will. Look at San Francisco's linebackers and how well they did in the Bad draft. dudes, man. Paying and developing those guys. I mean, Peters knows if you're going to have a really good defense, you better have uh, a, a dog in the middle who's going to be able to grab some face masks when the time comes. 800-636-1067 is the number. How would you start? Free agency, what would you prioritize? We're asking you this because we just found out there's more cap space than we thought. The NFL saying today $255 million is the cap number. Commander's up to $87 million to spend. We got a show announcement at 3 o'clock today on The Fan. Funny to see the NFL salary cap jump the way that it did today. 
an unprecedented $30 million. It's climbing from last year up to $255 million per team. But you just look year by year at what the numbers were, Danny. You only have to go back to 2019. The cap was at $188 million. We're at two fifty five today. That's uh, pretty significant, right? The commanders have $87 million in space between where they're at and the money they're spending this year and the max they're allowed to. As a comp, the entire salary cap for Joe Gibbs' 2005 Redskins was $85.5 million. You just talk about the TV money <laughs> and what is being infused this league, man. into this league. And yet we still sit here and quibble over, can you pay that quarterback 52? Like, you got a guy? Pay him. You just pay him. Figure it out. The, the, the numbers will eventually take care of themselves. Let's go to Kevin in Arlington. What's up, Kevin? Kev? Hey, guys. Happy Friday. Thank you. So, so there's a kid um, in Detroit who's a free agent left guard. I mean, I want a left tackle, but like you've been saying, Grant and Danny, you know, we can hold on with Leno, and we can, uh, you know, hopefully find one early in the draft. But there is a premier left guard available uh, that um, – You're talking about Glass now? Graham Glass now? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I, I would like to – have at least one starting position on the O-line in addition to Cosme settled early in free agency. I think it's a vital thing to do because we're going to have this rookie quarterback. And if we can't get a great tackle, um, get, you know, as Danny mentioned earlier, a center or a guard, there's the, but the one player I'm particularly focused on is the uh, UFA from Detroit, who uh, is a terrific left guard. Well, the good news so, is bringing in Lance Newmark, who would have some familiarity. Pick all their players the last few years would have some intel on that. So is it Jonah Jackson or or, or so Frank Ragnow is the center? Then there's Graham Glasgow, who I think is the is the is the backup center who played a bunch for them at times. Anyway, point is there. The, I think the guard market is good. You know, I don't know if you have to do a Brandon Sheriff thing where you spend 15, 16, 20 million bucks on a guy to dramatically upgrade. Right, I feel good about Cosme developing into a right guard. I'm looking to upgrade as many offensive line spots as I reasonably can. I'm going to start with two in free agency. Here's what I would do. I would go as far as to say, Danny, if they haven't added a starting offensive lineman in free agency, and I don't just mean someone who in this group's going to start, but like a guy that they've paid that mm-hmm. they think is really like good. Like a dude. Someone that it hasn't happened here in several years. Not yep. coincidentally, the line's been bad. If they haven't done that going into a draft where you're taking a quarterback at number two, I think that's malpractice. And that's what this group did last year. It's part of the reason why I thought this group was unserious and just wasn't very good at it. I think too highly of the new group that's coming in here. They're not going to go into the draft having done nothing with this offensive line. And the offensive line is not as bad as everyone thinks. It's closer to being a tick below average than it is. Everyone thinks it's awful and one of the worst in the league. Having said that, they need upgrades, clearly. You've got a, a, a lot of money to spend and a lot of options available. You got to go get some upgrades. And then if you want to draft more guys in the draft, great. Now you got some competition and maybe you're going to have three or four new starters potentially. That's allowed. But you can't do what the last regime did. They didn't do anything in free agency. They went into the draft. Then they they said, whoopsie, all the tackles are gone. Now what do we do? We should do two cornerbacks. Really we'll should. just take Forbes. Whoopsie, we tried to trade up and get Steve Avila, but the Rams beat us to it. Now what do we do? You can't do that. Let's go to Chris in Hyattsville. What's up, buddy? Christopher. What's up? Hey, you know, Jay Gruden would say, you don't, you don't need a guard. 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 He's a guard. 
look, you guys have made some really great points, uh, most of what I would have said anyway. So um, I was wondering if I could share a conspiracy theory with you. You guys fond of conspiracy theories? So much, please. The new Fanatics uniforms in the MLB are a conspiracy between Manfred and Fanatics to get more ladies to watch Major League Baseball because mm. they got the see-through pants. I don't think women like seeing private parts necessarily. To the same, you know, now we're, we're treading on some uh, some shaky yeah. ground here for me where I'm not I'm totally comfortable. I'm just talking about the movie starring Howard Stern. Uh, Howard Stern. Yes, wow, Robin. Uh, yeah. Mm. Like, guys like seeing. So I've been told. The female. Yes. Stuff. Body. Things. The guy body's not as good. So, like, when a, a, a baseball player is just sitting in the dugout posing for a picture, mm-hmm. and with his see-through pants, you can see his twig and berries. Mm-hmm. Are we allowed to? Is that? We're good there. You see his, yeah, it's like, um, yep. I don't, I, I, in that state, are, are people, is that bringing people to the ballpark? I don't know that it is. Yeah, I'm sure there's a, there's a subsection of the internet that just wants to see it all, all the time, And I, I, but maybe. I don't know. The, but, by the way, if you guys don't know what Chris is talking about, here's the, the new deal. Everybody's got white pants. You can see through them all. Like, the, the pants are see-through. The pants are pretty much see-through. This is actually on the rundown a little later on. Yeah. We can come back to this. We're up against the clock. Uh, we do have a show announcement at the top of the hour, and if you want to, we can get back into see-through pants as well. Grant and Danny on the fan. Take off your future with the law firm of Kondori and Murad, the official Grant and Danny show sponsor. They can help protect your assets, update your will and trust. Schedule a free estate planning strategy with one of their Fairfax-based attorneys. Visit kmlawyers.com. Mention the show to get a discount. That's kmlawyers.com. One hour from now, we're giving away tickets to the Caps and the Coyotes. Game is Sunday, March 3rd. You want to go see the game in the good seats, you'd better be listening. Danny, it's time to pass along what I think is some pretty good news to our listening audience. I agree with your assessment, sir. It's time for the Friday, February 23rd, much anticipated as of about an hour ago. Grant and Danny show announcement. So right at the end of this. Yeah. We are thrilled to announce that for the first time since 2020. The Grant and Danny radio program. This one, definitely. It's going to be this one. Obama style. Let me be clear. We are going back to West Palm Beach. Here we go. For National Spring Training. We will be... 
in Florida. We are going back. In the beautiful weather, enjoying the crack of the bat, the smell of the hot dogs, watching your 71-win Washington Nationals train at their beautiful shared complex with the Houston Astros. The show is going back to West Palm Beach. We will be there live mm-hmm. on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, March 4, 5, and 6. Thank you. Yeah, man. 4, 5, and 6. Let's go. The boys are back in hey, It's town. Grant and Danny's music. By God, Danny. the boys are going back. Let's do this Let's thing. do it. Let's go to spring training. Let's go to spring training. What are you happier about? Eating so much Cracker Barrel. That one. Because whenever we go there, Danny just eats Cracker Barrel out of all of their ingredients. That's right by the ballpark. Or is it uh, a little Sonny's Barbecue? I love Sonny's. You know how I feel about Sonny's. crystal, like late night burgers that we might enjoy. Mm-mm. We're actually going down there for a little while now. In a couple days. You're coming down Sunday night. Yep. I got news, by the way. Roll call. Here are the people that are going as part of our great Because this is kind of neat. This is It's not your normal trip, I would say. This is our G&D contingent that is going down to West Palm Beach to deliver to you guys the best Nationals coverage on the radio in Washington, D.C. Entering first. Standing about five foot eight and a half and weighing more than he cares to admit. Brent Paulson. Entering second. Standing about 5'11"? Yeah, we'll call that. Okay. Yeah. Playing a lot of pickleball. And he mm-hmm. really wants everyone to know he loves pickleball. And he's very handsome. Danny Ruye. Some of that's true. Also going to West Palm Beach, a first-timer at spring training. Oh? You know him as the reigning Super Bowl champion in one of the most competitive Madden leagues in history. Producer, Darius Dameron. Here we go. Yeah. To the ladies of West Palm Beach, someone's going to be swiping on you for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that right now. You know him from his work in the movie Top Gun Maverick. And you've seen him on Bumble. Glenn Powell <laughs> is headed to the big city, ladies and gentlemen. That's Ryan Clary's music. <laughs> <laughs> the hot gets you every That's time. That's not all. No? Four's not a crowd. Wait a minute. Four, I thought that was it. It's a good number. Four's not a crowd. Five's a crowd. Wait a minute. The five best friends anyone could ever have. You know him as the better half of the Bust and Loose Baseball podcast. No. That Danny kicked to the curb about a year ago. Mm. My co-host, Toby Altiz. Look at Tobias. Look at Tobias rounding out the five some. Let's go. Table for four? Uh-uh. Table for five, bro. Here we go. Just some baseball pals. There will be baseball. There will be barbecue. There will be sunlight. There's a pool. At the get this. There's a pool, man. We're not doing this at the, the night, days in, whatever the hell that hotel was where we almost died. Yeah. We're not doing that. Mm-mm-mm-mm. We got ourselves a house. Because the in. ball is life. And so is You're going damn to right. West Palm Beach, coach. We will be at a, a uh, Airbnb home mm-hmm. with internet access. Mm-hmm. That was my my main Yeah, thought. that was a good point. Um, the yeah. ability to watch television, but also a swimming pool. I think there are some games we can play in the basement. There's all kinds of wackies. It's gonna be a. It's gonna be good digs. We're gonna enjoy ourselves for the nights we that go. we're there, and uh, it's a business trip. We're gonna get business done. It'll be business, but it's also gonna be the boys in West Palm. 
With no with no rules? No rules? I would not say that. I wouldn't say it either. Couple rules. No grown-ups. Yeah, but no grown-ups to tell us what to do. That'll be fun. That'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, that'll be neat. What are we? Idiots? The last time no, Mike. we went down there. Yep. Quite literally, while we were there. During the time we were there. The world stopped. Yeah. So it was 2020. We were broadcasting. We went back. I remember sitting at the bar at the Courtyard Marriott in West Palm Beach, looking up at the TV, and Rudy Gobert had, like rubbed all the microphones, like making fun of the, uh-huh. co- the coronavirus. And then the NBA shut down that night. The NHL shut down that night, but spring training was still going on because Florida was like, we're doing our own thing. So the next day, we're out broadcasting. Now, there were a bunch of weird rules already at spring training. You couldn't do in-person interviews. No one knew anything. All this stuff. We were just talking to a fence. And we get a, a press release while we're on. This is like 20 minutes before a spring training game is about to start. That Major League Baseball was basically shutting down all endeavors. And we're like, wait a second. There were people walking into the ballpark. Do you remember Thousands that? of people streaming right past just walking into a game. They had the game anyway. Yeah. Because it was too close to first pitch that all the people were already walking in and the teams were like warming up and everything. Still get your hot dogs, still get your beer. So they just said, hey, after today, spring training's over and we'll reconvene down the road, but we're going to have one more game. And so what I did, knowing it would be a while before I saw sports, I waddled over there and sat among a bunch of thousand of my favorite friends. And I watched Juan Soto in the Nationals at the time take on, uh, might have been the Astros. I don't remember. Yankees. It was the Yankees, That's right, bro. It was the Yankees. Mm-hmm. And I watched them play the Yankees. And then the next day, we were there for like three more days. Uh-huh. We started broadcasting in a conference room. Yep. Because we would go to the spring training complex, except that it was closed, like locked shut. You couldn't get in. Day one, nor- normal-ish day. So they didn't want us in the clubhouse, but they were like, yeah, we'll bring guys out to you. No problems. So we couldn't do the normal clubhouse access that we always would where we you know, grab Somebody for three, four minutes, tape with this guy, that guy, whatever. We couldn't do that. But we were like, that's no problem. We'll still have a normal week down there. We'll bring guys out to you. Again, by the middle of the second day, nobody was anywhere. We were just broadcasting under a makeshift tent next to a fence. What was was the story, by the way? There was some big viral national story that like CNN was covering that someone had gotten on the plane. Yes to there, and yep. it was from the Northeast, so now, we were assuming they were on our flight because the Yankees fans were all on our flight. The whole story was, this is so early on, so the guy's like, I'm pretty sure I got it. This this is the story, okay? I remember, I'll never forget oh, this. Oh, the COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the COVID guy. So the COVID dude goes, I'm pretty sure I have it. I think I've got it. I'm feeling a lot of symptoms. Let me test. And this was the point where the tests, you had to wait two days well, for we, the we results. We didn't know anything. Like the, yeah, the no one knew anything. The word COVID and the word cancer were like equal at that point. Yeah, yeah, no, that's no, absolutely. Honestly, you're like, well, now this, we know that, coach. I'm going to get it. I'm going to die immediately. Yeah. Like, this was before the pandemic really kicked off and the country shut down. So the dude believed that he had it, tested for it. But I mean, this is the day. Remember, you had to wait multiple days for the result. It's not that little thing that you swab your nose and put on the kitchen counter where there's a line or it's not in, in a matter of minutes. So he, in the, in the time before he gets his test back, he that's goes, right. I'm just going to fly down to Florida, he to West Palm to, Beach. Yeah, that's exactly right. He yep. went to his doctor, took a test, got on a flight, flew down to West Palm Beach. Doctor calls him the next, like when he gets off the plane or whatever and says, you have COVID. You've got the thing. And it wasn't just at the airport. The same plane, the, going to the same gate. It runs the Northeast Corridor. Yeah, and our assumption was, I don't know if we've ever confirmed it, but he was on our plane. That's what we think. That, that's The guy was on the plane. Because how? there's no way he wouldn't have been. All the hand sanitizer 
on the planet is just being slathered and swabbed all over armrests, things in front, uh, like people's jeans. Like the, the, the whole place smelled like that alcohol hand rub. Can I get a weather report on West Palm Beach, March 2nd through the 6th, please, from resident show meteorologist Ryan Clary? Yes, fellas, and this is something that I've been tracking for quite some time now, just over the last 72 hours, and things have changed. So when we get there on Saturday, it's going to be a high of 76, of low of 68 that day. Pretty normal day. Oh, I'll, yeah. I'll take could, it. Could be a thunderstorm later on in the afternoon. It's Florida, so you're going to have to always take that with a grain of salt. We should be. We should make sure not to be in our pool at our house. At Good point. point. Yes. We'll have to stay out of the pool. That, that will be a rule. No pool during thunderstorms, guys. I don't mind grilling in the rain for you boys, though. I'll, I'll get those burgers ready to go. Nice medium. You want a medium rare? Yeah. You want medium? What are you looking for? Oh, uh, all the burgers, medium rare. Okay. Yep. But on Sunday, Thanks, it's going to be a high of 76 and a low of 68. Now there is a 60% chance of rain on that day and some mm. thunderstorms scattered around there. But I think ultimately we should be in the clear until later on in the afternoon. The rain's annoying, I'll yeah. say. Yes. I'm annoyed by that. So the Nats are playing on Sunday. I want to go to that game. They're playing on Monday. I want to go to that game. They're off on Tuesday and they're playing Wednesday. I want to go to that game. That's kind of my itinerary. I don't know where you guys are at. Here's how marking out Darris is. I told him that if we drive 30 minutes away, there's another ballpark where can, we can not watch two random teams play spring training baseball right after we get off the plane on Saturday. And he's like, yeah, we got to do that. We got we to get as much baseball. We got to do that is what he as said. As much baseball as possible uh, by any means necessary. We could drop Ryan off and he could start swiping and then you and I can just head on out. Well, I'll be the, swiping in the car. I mean, I mean he's not going to drive. It's a business yeah. trip for some of us, let's be honest, right? Um, different things you can do with business. You can conduct it. You can yeah. give it. I mean, yeah. different things. <laughs> Given the business. You can give him the business. He's been doing that a time or three. Yeah. Uh, Toby is also going, ladies Tobias and Tobias Shunka, everybody. Boston loose baseball. The youngest in charge. Toby, how steamed up are you to put those eyes on James Wood in the cage, watch Dylan Cruz in spring training action, get to see your boy Brady House? I know you're fired up. I have not gotten to see Brady House all that much, so I couldn't be more excited to see these guys. Never been to spring training. Nice weather. Makes me even happier with seeing what we have here today. A little chilly, a little rain. Mm -hmm. Get down in West Palm, enjoy some nice weather. I'm excited, man. Now, Tobias, are you nervous at all about this group of four? Like, no. In the house, man. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's a weird dynamic. It's a lot of us. And then, like, we're all going to be in the same house together. Are you concerned about that at all? I think I'll be all right. All I right. survived college. Mm -hmm. I think I'll be all right. You said you might bring your PlayStation. I might. What games do you have? I got Madden. We can play some football. I got 2K. We can play some basketball. I'd love to try to beat baseball. Darius in Madden. Because I'm going to scissor oh, out. adorable. The, I'm going to scissor out the S out of him. That's I'll tell adorable. You right uh, what else you got? I got baseball. Whatever yeah. you want. You can bring a shooter. Whatever Let's you want. Go. I think if you and Darius played Madden, there was a rule that he couldn't throw to the left of the, any hash mark. He would still beat you by 50. The f***s are out again. <laughs> the biggest upset that no one's talked about at any point is that Danny's going. I mean, how did this go down? I asked him just the same way I do when I get tickets, mm -hmm. right? Like, I get a, a late last-minute Caps tickets all the time. I basically have stopped asking, but every now and then I'll be just to make sure. I'll be like, hey, Danny, I got Caps tickets yeah, tonight. Last minute, I can pretty much any never interest. do. And Danny's like, oh, thanks, man. And then I'll go, like, me and Ryan yeah. or me and Darius will Ask go Ask the whatever. people that don't have, you yeah. know, wives and kids and stuff. Yeah. But for a trip, mm -hmm. I mean, that is hilarious. Like, what a funny thing. I told him we got this thing brewing. Me and the boys are probably going to West Palm. Mm -hmm. 
cursory invite so you don't feel like you're left out. And Danny's like, yeah, I'll do that. And I was like, no, 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 you don't. West Palm Beach in Florida. That's in Florida. It's not. I was like, we have to fly there. We have to stay there. It's not West Palm in your front yard, guy. It's going to be a few days away. It's not Palm Palm Wednesday or Palm, you know, this is West Palm Beach, Florida. And you're like, yeah, let me make a call. And you're in. Got it done. So the the impetus there is I have been scolded by the lady wife where she's like, you you have to do these things. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, oh, I need to be there for you and the kids. And, you. and she's like, A, I don't really need you that badly. I I, I interpreted that. Uh, but B, it was like, it just looks like you don't care. And it looks like you, you're you not into the show when, like, Grant goes and, like, everyone goes. And you're just sort of like, whatever. I'm not going. So, like, and I'm like, well, that's I don't want that perception. And I'd like to go. I'm not going to go as far as to say that I don't think you 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 look like you're not into the show. Because I know you are. Because that, that's She said that's what it looks like. I, I am on her side, though. That when we have the choice of doing things, like, we, you know, even if it means occasionally we, we got to foot the bill, like stuff that isn't great, right? Going mm-hmm. to the Super Bowl, whatever. Yep. Like, yeah, it'd be great to have you just excited to go. I understand, though. Mm-hmm. It, it People have lives, and, and there's a right and wrong way to do things, right. and ideally we could do things the right way. But I guess I'm kind of on her side where I go, yeah, it'd be nice to have you tagging along because it's not like I'm trying to leave you in a lurch, but we just... We got to keep moving forward or we're moving backwards Mm -hmm. as a show, right? Totally. But to have you with us in West Palm, it's going to be great. Danny Routier. That's me, Chuck. I am really excited about this. Everybody, when we get to Sonny's, no chit-chat. You look at that menu and you get ready. You need to be ready when the very nice lady, because that's all they have working there is nice ladies. They have nice people working at Sonny's. They're going to talk to you. They're going to say, hey, hey, sweetheart. Hey, sweetheart. What what you want on the side of How that? are y'all? How y'all doing? Y'all gonna get started with drinks, y'all. Hey, hey darling. Is y'all. It, it raining out there yet, darling? They're calling for rain today. Now, I saw y'all that there was y'all supposed to be a chance of rain coming up later on. She's Did y'all love see Toby. some of that? I could just, she She'll love Toby. Hey, sweet baby hey, boy. What you want on the side of your brisket, hey, baby hun. boy? It's going to be a good time. Look at the menu. Are you worried about possibly having fun on accident? Yeah. What, what if you Huge have fun? concern. Huge concern for me. Huge concern. There are Here we that, go. That have to happen. You don't mess with my Sonny's trip, and you don't mess with my Cracker Barrel trip. If I get those things, I'll tag along and do whatever you guys want. Not whatever. I mean, I'm not going out or anything. But you know what I mean? Like, I'll... Will you go out no. one of the nights with us to a bar? No. Okay. That's a no for me, dog. Will you... There's a puppy bowl on Wednesday night. Will oh, for go... real? Yeah. No, nah, I'm not doing that. There isn't one. No. Uh, Ryan perked up. He's like, like really? If, if it was in another bowl? room in our house, I'd go to a different room. If Ryan... Uh, is going to go on a date via one of his apps. And he's a chaperone? And we're going to tag along and watch him from a few tables over. Okay, that's intriguing. Yeah. I'd actually like to do that with one of those like uh, parabolic mics. My, my bit that I'd like to do is live tweet his date. I kind of want to. He gets a match. Oh, that'd be a hoot. West Palm Beach. I would do that, actually. And then we just all live tweet it and post videos and kind of give people a real inside skinny. I would love to do that. That's Can we bad. do that, Ryan? Uh, but I figured that the food thing for you would be a good selling thing. That's a great thing. Yeah, we're doing that. But seriously, look at the menu when we get there. No chit-chat. Got to be ready to order. Who's ready? Uh, Darius, uh, none of you guys have ever been before, right? Darius, Ryan, and... Never Toby? been? Nope. I have tra- not been. Spring training's the best. And from a show standpoint, I think you guys that are ramping up and getting excited for the baseball season are going to be fired up. We're going to have great guests. We'll get Rizzo. We'll get Davey. Uh I mean, frankly, I don't know how many of the players are must-haves at this point, but you know, I'd like to talk to Mackenzie Gore and C.J. Abrams while we're down there. JoJo Gray's always fun. We get a few of those guys. 
Um, I want to I want to spend a little time around James Wood because he's my guy. Rich and only brought up a very good point via Twitter. Uh, that's at Greenwich Paulson. It's well, funny, we are for me. going on a trip away from our wives, so he's an expert in this. You know, that's well, a good bit. What does he have for us? He says, and I quote, can we get some Darris post uh, points punishment poolside photos? Oh, are you going to break out the Speedo and the snorkel? Like as a teaser trailer for the model shoot. Like this is what it looks like out in the wild kind of, you know what I mean? We get some natural light. Yeah. I was, I was hoping to just have fun on this trip. We can, we can save the, the points confidence punishment for later when we come back. Let's just have fun, right? I think we can all. I have think a good speedos time. are fun. Ah, Isn't that fun? Not so Isn't that fun. maximum fun with just a bunch of dudes? Now you yeah. got your speedo in the Tell pool. Tell you what, what day do we want to do speedo day? Everyone pack a speedo. I got a speedo. One of the you have one. I got a speedo. I got one from when I was on swim team. Crystal Ball was my coach, by the way. Crystal Ball. Crystal Ball was my swim coach. Looking for Crystal I'm gonna Ball. I'm going to assume it doesn't fit. It's from when I was like 14. So don't know if that's going to slide over these thighs. Now I got a speedo that I purchased way after my swim career is over, but I, like I have it. The why is not important, but I have one. Okay. I'll, I'm going to wear a Speedo. That's what you guys want. Spe- which day, what day is Speedo day at the pool? Tuesday. That's that's the uh, that's the off day. So. That's yeah, a lot Tuesday's of dude, the Speedo day. Way. I say Sunday. Sunday Speedo day? Yeah, Speedo Sunday. After the game. Hmm. You know what we're going to do Sunday? I already told him. Charlie and Dave have a live radio show, and we're going to go hang out, fill some of those seats, watch those guys do their live show at a restaurant. Oh, nice. Support, support our local broadcast. Support the team. Yeah. Got to support the team. What a time to be alive. Shout out. Shout out. Odyssey. Shout out to the team. Uh, Darius Dameron. Ryan Clary. Toby Altizer. Tobias. Danny freaking Ruye is Guys, going? come on. Come on. Are you kidding come me? Come on, guys. Come on. Having a good time. Danny Ruye. Having some fun here. Might even have a little fun. All right. The next two segments, we're going to tie them at the hip. Monica Dixon, Monumental Sports, is going to join us next. Want to talk to her about the move of the Wiz and the Caps to Virginia. Obviously, Monumental is giddy about the move. Following segment, we'll talk to Kevin Blackstone of the Post, who's not quite as excited. So we'll go point-counterpoint here. Uh, But I'm looking forward to seeing what Monica has to say about where we're at in this process. That's next on The Fan. In 30 minutes, we've got a pair of Caps tickets that you can win right here on the fan. You better be listening ahead of the Beltway Blitz. (coughs) Right now, let's go to the BetQL guest hotline. Bet smarter to beat the books. Download the BetQL app. Visit BetQL.com and welcome onto the show Monica Dixon, who's the president of external affairs and chief administrative officer with Monumental Sports. Monica, thank you for the time. It's Grant and Danny. Good to talk to you again. How are you? You too. It's been a while, but I'm happy to be here today. Appreciate it. We wanted a little update on what's going on. We've had lots of questions, and we've been talking on the show the last few weeks about everything coming out in the news on the possible move from D.C. to Virginia for the Caps and the Wizards. So where are we in the process? Well, we had a great week in Richmond. Our legislation moved inside the budget bill in the House and was passed 88 to 12. So now that bill has some little TikTok back and forth legislatively next week, but it will move to conference committee where the Senate leaders and the House leaders will get together and uh, hopefully reach compromise on the budget and include our project in it. And then it will come back for a final vote and then the governor can sign it. 
So, Monica, if it doesn't get done for whatever reason, I mean, you, you see the, the tweets mm-hmm. and the posturing of folks, and I, you know, I'm, that's why we're having you on. You know more than we do. Um, if this doesn't get done in the next few weeks, the way I understand Virginia's legislative session, does that mean it doesn't get done at all this year? doesn't get on any bills? That's right. That's right. Unless there's a special session, which is unlikely, uh, it won't be acted up upon until they come back. You know, they're a part-time legislature, right. so they're not back until next year. So then what would that mean for you guys? Would, would it just be stalled a year? Or if it doesn't happen, according to this plan of the next few weeks, what would the next step be? Well, um, we do think it's going to happen. And what will happen after the governor signs it is that it then moves to Alexandria. And I think you guys know this, that the city of Alexandria has to also vote to support the project before it can become final. So even after Richmond, we go through another process very similar uh, with the city council in Alexandria. Is there a timeline similarly with Alexandria, or is that a little bit less tense in terms of beating a clock? You know, it's definitely less tense in terms of beating a clock, for sure. They haven't told us exactly when they will consider the project itself. They've been doing a lot of listening sessions in the community, and I think they want to finish all of those, but we hope it's in March. Uh, We hope it won't take um, too much longer after uh, it passes in Richmond. Monica Dixon, Monumental Sports, President of External Affairs. Do you know the date off the top of your head of, of the, the deadline? I'm just curious. Yes. Um, the last day that the legislature meets is March 9th. Okay. That's wow. their so, sign you die. That's when they um, leave and don't come back for another year. So just a couple of weeks away. Okay. So yeah, two weeks. You, mm-hmm. you got to get that done. So the House flying colors passes through. You referenced the Senate. I want to go back and just kind of clarify for, for my own understanding. So it's not currently like listed on a certain date to be voted on. What has to happen to get it to that point where it's on the schedule and there is a vote? The conferees have to meet, and the conferees are chosen, I think, early next week. And it's usually the Senate leadership and the House leadership that deals with budget and finance-related issues. And then they meet and they go through the differences in the bills. And and our project will be a difference because it will have passed in the House twice, uh, but it will not have passed in the Senate in any form. And so the conferees then have to meet and and determine what they want to see in the final bill. So it's a it's a negotiation between those members of the leadership. And they they will be active and working that whole last week, like March 4th through the 8th. And the last day they can bring their report for passage to uh, the legislature is that Saturday, March 9th. Monica Dixon with us here on GND, President of External Affairs and Chief Administrative Officer with Monumental Sports. Um, I, I'm sure you've heard and seen some of the, the, the criticism. Some folks are upset. I think anytime there's change, that, that's probably inevitable. What do you think that critics are getting wrong here uh, from you guys' perspective? You know, I think there's a ton of confusion around um, whether there is a public subsidy, where whether any uh, tax revenues are used for this project from citizens in Alexandria or the or the state or the Commonwealth of Virginia. And and that's just not true. You know, it's a complicated structure to explain, but I think of it in a simple way as a loan that the state will be taking to finance the construction of this campus. And then the way that loan gets paid 
is by people who are coming to our events, coming to our games and purchasing drinks or, you know, T-shirts or whatever it may be. Those tax revenues that come just from our campus will pay that loan back and then some. So the city and the Commonwealth actually make money on this over time. They'll pay back the loan, and then all the proceeds that come in after the loan is paid back will be used for the city of Alexandria to build schools or whatever they choose to, and the same with the Commonwealth. And again, that takes time, but there, no one pays any fees or any taxes for this facility other than the people who use it. So as a Virginian who's never at a stadium or an arena, I like the idea of having one of our own. For the first time, I also, I'm a new stadium guy. I want, I want the best arenas and stadiums for my team. So I, I can be talked into this pretty easily, I'll say. Having said that, <laughs> these, these were my two gripes, I guess, or, or concerns, maybe is better. Number one, sure. what happens to the neighborhood when you guys pack up and leave? And there's been a lot of blowback, obviously, from people in D.C. that are worried about that. So let's start with that one. I mean, where are we at in the initial plan was maybe the Mystics and you know, uh, mm-hmm. Georgetown and some of those teams could stay there. I don't know how well that works. And I know Mayor Bowser came out and, and essentially threatened at one point that they wouldn't even want to continue to use the building if that was the case. Like, where are we at in that relationship? Well, it's a really good question because um, I do think there's a lot that has to be determined. And, and that will have a direct impact on the neighborhood. Um the arena itself will become the property of Washington, D.C. Uh, if we leave at the end of 2027. And so the mayor can she gets the she gets the keys and she and her leadership will decide what to do with the building. We've offered to stay and run the building. We think we could easily book 100 events. I, I honestly believe we could book more if we could start planning right now. Um, You know, one opportunity for us is the convention center uh, sometimes misses out on really big conventions because it doesn't have enough space. What we could do right now is hold and book those times for CAP1 to be an overflow location. We've never been able to do that in the past because, as you guys know, we have to hold over 100 nights a year for Caps and Wizards games, and we don't find out until shortly before the season, what nights are booked. So we could never go to anyone who needed more than, you know, a few months notice, uh, the opportunity to book the arena. And so, and yeah, we'd love to have the Mystics play there. We think they're going to be able to play there in a few more years. So um, we hope that we hope that they'll take us up on the offer, but if they don't, they could run and manage the arena or, you know, the mayor's got a task right now trying to decide how to use that land. It's really interesting because the FBI building, which is just, you know, a block away, will also be um, a new piece of land available for the city. So she's got two huge pieces of property there that really they can really reimagine downtown. And I think her task force is very focused on that. So then the other gripe would be kind of on the flip side out in Virginia. Beautiful new mm-hmm. arena. I'm taking my kids. I'm going. I'm excited. I've been over there a ton. I lived over that way at one point in time. It's one way in, one way out. How are we going to solve the traffic issue? And is that up to you guys or the state? Because if it's up to the state, that's probably tax dollars, right? It, it is uh, in, on both accounts. Um, 
The Department of Transportation and the administration have pledged over $200 million to solve exactly the problem that you're identifying. And that would be transportation funds for sure. Uh, That would benefit everybody in Northern Virginia, clearly. But what it would do is try to make Route 1, which is that main thoroughfare into where the arena would be, um, wider, more technology-friendly, so you could do an all-in and all-out easy ingress, easy egress, ex, uh, leaving. And and we're hoping that that will solve the car problem. But they also need to invest in the metro stop there to make the bridge that comes down from the metro wider. So, you know, large numbers of people could come in and out, at, you know, before and after a game. So, Monica, it's been now a couple months or just over since the initial announcement, at least from that it comes to the public. Um, has anything changed in terms of your confidence level that this gets done? How sure are we that this is all ahead go? You know, we feel really good about what's happened this last week in Richmond, and we feel better and better in Alexandria as more people get information. Um, what we're finding is because this is such a, you know, it, it is such – an issue of interest. It's covered all the time in the media. And that also means there's a ton of commentary. And sometimes the commentary and the facts get mixed up in people's minds, as it would for anybody watching the news right now on this topic. And so what we're finding is we really have to sit down and open books and be transparent and talk about it if we're going to get support. And, And that works. So we're feeling good about that. Monica, thank you for the time and the update. We appreciate you. You got it. Anytime. Thank you. Monica Dixon, Monumental Sports. Uh, you guys have had questions. We've been talking a lot about this. Wanted to go to the source and get their perspective on what's going on. The president of external affairs over there. Uh, we wanted to also provide another perspective. We could get that from Kevin Blackstone, who now writes columns in the Post. A uh, longtime voice covering sports in this town. And a professor over at Maryland over the years who is not as excited about the possibility of the move to Virginia as Monica or even me or Danny are. So let's bring Kevin on next to do that. G&D on the fan. We're blitzing in 15. That's when we're giving away those Caps tickets on Grant and Danny. Fired up to go to the... BetQL guest hotline right now, though. And to welcome onto the show, the professor, Kevin Blackstone, Washington Post, over at the University of Maryland. He is coaching up the youth. And a guy I bumped into out in Vegas at the Super Bowl, and I was glad I did. I hadn't seen him in forever. And we got to chopping yeah, it up a little bit. I kind of accosted you, didn't I? <laughs> you you, <laughs> you came in with the heat, Kevin. That was good. <laughs> How you been? Great. How about you? Doing very well. We wanted to have you on. We were just talking to Monica Dixon of Monumental Sports, and I thought it would be yeah. um, you know, fair to also bring in a, another perspective of someone who is not as excited about the move. And I talked to you briefly about it out at the Super Bowl for a few minutes, but I remember the piece you wrote right. back in mid-December about the Wizards leaving the city. So let's, let's start right there. And, and I guess my first question for you, is this more about the Wizards leaving or is it a Wizards and Capitals thing? No, it's the Wizards, it's the Wizards and Capitals. But I highlight the Wizards because, you know, D.C. is um, a home of basketball. I mean, this is a famous area, um, particularly for black basketball. Um, E.B. Henderson uh, at the uh, old Negro YMCA in Washington, D.C. 
um, basically imported um, basketball to the black community. And this is, this is where it, it, it grew. This is where it spawned to the rest of the country. Um, so that's, you know, that's part of Washington, D.C.'s identity. Um, it's certainly part of my identity being, being born here and, and, and reared in the area. Um, and so uh, I, I do highlight the Wizards more, but, um, you know, the Capitals are, they're, they're here. I mean, they, I, I remember celebrating um, their Stanley Cup on the, the rooftop, um, on a rooftop uh, over in Ivy City. Um, you know, I, I remember when they were birthed here, obviously out in, out in Landover at the Cap Center. I remember they drafted, um, I remember they drafted uh, a black player their first year, uh, Mike Marson, I, I assume, to try and attract black fans to the Cap Center to watch hockey. Didn't work out quite, quite that well. But, uh, you know, this is, this is part of D.C. And I think one of the, you know, two of the greatest moves in the redevelopment of downtown Washington, D.C., um, was Marion Barry's idea to put the, the, the Wilson um, Center down there and then A. Poland's idea to put the, put the, uh, the basketball hockey arena downtown. There's no question about it. Kevin, what is something, or maybe the, you list a couple things if you don't mind, that Monumental is selling that you're just not buying in this whole case? Well, one thing I'm not selling, and the Washington Post brought this out in their long piece, um, I think it was last Sunday, uh, was about how this went down. And, you know, the fact that uh, Muriel Bowser's mayor was hamstrung a bit by some rules and regulations in the city about how much money she could she could cough up for this deal, and then finally coming up with the half billion dollars, um, and then only to be kind of um, uh, snowed under or snowed over by Ted Leonsis and Monumental, um, who weren't as forthcoming as maybe they should have been about the negotiations they were having out in Virginia. Um, so they came up with the, they came up with a hundred million dollars short of what, of what monumental and, and Ted wanted. Um, and it seems to me that, you know, that's some, there's some, some faith there to be good faith there to be, to be dealt with, to negotiate with that rather than um, rather than paddling across the uh, river over to Virginia. Kevin Blackstone's with us on Grant and Danny. What do you say, and this is, I'm not, like, giving this some nameless take. Like, this is also my opinion. But my take yeah. all along has been the money for owners anymore is not in TV rights deals. You look at the RSNs for these leagues. It's not in PSLs for seating. It's in real nope. estate deals, right? And, Absolutely. And, and there isn't any of that in the city, really. I mean, they can you know, kind of put lipstick on the arena a few times over for a few hundred million. But if you're Ted Leonsis and you want the Taj Mahal state-of-the-art unbelievable arena, you got to go outside. And, and we're talking about D.C. being, you know, a basketball city. Right. Maybe this is where I'm just, you know, off. I'm growing up in, a, in a, a different era, maybe. It doesn't allow me to see it. But I view Northern Virginia at like it's not DC proper, but it's the DMV. It's not like they're going to St. Louis. Like, what do you say to to some of those players? <laughs> well, the DMV is a is a uh, is a new term. Um, I didn't have I didn't grow up with the DMV. Um, you know, I grew up with with DC, Maryland, and Virginia. My my mother was was born in Virginia. She grew up in Halls Hill, 
Virginia, which is now Arlington, just off of Lee Lee Highway and Glebe Road. Mm-hmm. Hey, KB, um, were you guys doing like uh, sharks and jets fights, you know, meeting at the borders? <laughs> D.C., Maryland, <laughs> yeah. and Virginia, snapping your fingers like West Side Story? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, <laughs> it should have been something like that, right? But here's here's the thing. Okay, so I don't just fault Monumental and Leonsis on this. I also fault um, Muriel Bowser's office in D.C. on this, too, because – um, they appear to me to have run after the golden goose of the NFL. And I understand that losing the football team to Landover, um, you know, a generation and a half ago, almost two generations ago, was um, uh, a political black eye for Sharon Pratt Dixon, who was mayor at the time. Um, but that's, that's past. I used to cover economics before, before I covered sports. And one thing that economists who agree on nothing do agree on is that investing public money in private stadium and arena deals is not a good thing for cities financially. Where I differ with those economists is, is that doing it for a basketball and hockey arena where you can get um, 160 some dates plus concerts in the heart of your city is worth it. It's like an infrastructure deal. It's like having good, having good security, good schools, libraries, roads, um, all of that. You can't name a city in America that is a great city that does not have a professional sports footprint. But chasing after a football team stadium and all that that takes in terms of money and infrastructure for the few dates that you're going to get, if it's not dome, to me is not worth it. Now, why do I bring that up? Because I believe that the city should have offered up the RFK plot to Monumental and Leonsis, which is something like 120 acres. Oh, wow. I, I believe. Mm-hmm. Right. So you can carve out, Ted could carve out this grand plan that he has in Northern Virginia right there and begin and, and continue the redevelopment of that part of, um, of D.C. And then you can figure out uh, something else to do with the arena downtown. I'm sure there, you know, there are plenty of things that, that, can, be, that can be done with it. Um, so that's where I fault, you know, I fault the city. I think, you know, they should have seen this coming down the line. And, you know, the, the reporting has suggested that they – did see it coming down the line, but I just don't think they should have chased the commanders. I, I think they should have let that realize that that ship had sailed and it's really not, you know, prestige wise. Yeah. But economically wise, absolutely not a good deal for the city, not for a city that already has tax revenue problems mm-hmm. because so much of the city is dedicated to federal, um, uh, to federal buildings, um, which you can't tax. So uh, that's that's the approach I would have taken. Kevin, quick one here. Just the rest of the way, I mean, it still seems to be sort of caught up in committee, although Monica Dixon previously, in fairness, painted a a rosier picture of of their chances for them to get passed as as they want it. But if they think it's it's happening and this is kind of politics, basically, they got the House 88 to 12 Senate's next. But so the the question is, then, what are you rooting for here? Like what what outcome would, would make you the happiest? No, the only outcome that make me that would make me happy is for the teams to the steam teams to stay where they are. So I hope I hope Virginia Brow beats them. 
and somehow this deal falls apart or Ted decides, you know what, it's not worth it public relation-wise, I think I'm going to stay in the city. I'm going to look at this this half-billion-dollar deal that Miro Bowser has finally pulled together and put on the table, um, see if we can work with that. Um, I'm I'm going to look at some other uh, some other plots of land in D.C. I might look. I want to look at that RFK that RFK site, which can be a, a clean slate and you can turn into whatever you wanted to, you want to turn it into. Um, I'm going to go back to the table and see what the best deal is. Um, so that that would be the you know that would be the ideal thing for me. Uh, I cannot consciously emotionally get my mind around these two teams being across the river in Virginia. And I get it. I know it's a DMV world now. Like I said, I didn't grow up in the DMV world. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I know Grant is from Virginia. I understand it. I got it. Um, But, uh, but but, and and to be fair, Kev, like, listen, I've driven to us air arena for years in Maryland. I go to, you know, you, Landover, yep. Maryland for FedEx Field. Now, it's not as many games, obviously, but I've always done it. It's never been weird. It's I've never complained about it. Right. It's just kind of what I do. It's amazing to me, though. It's it's like, you know, my wife going and picking up my dry cleaning every week, and she asked me once, and I kind of throw my arms up in the air. It's like the, 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 the idea that someone the from audacity. Maryland might have to drive to Virginia for a game is, like, unbelievable. <laughs> I've been doing it since I was knee-high to a grasshopper. Yeah, and – and I've been doing the exact, the exact opposite. And, you know, my father grew up in Leedroy Park um, in the shadow of old Griffith Stadium. There you go. Um, so, you know, I, I remember going to Uline Arena, which is now, you know, an REI store, uh, to see <laughs> yeah. the Harlem Globetrotters and to see the, the ABA team that we had here for just one season featuring Rick Barry. Um, so, you know, that's my world. And that's my identity. Um, my identity, despite my mother's birthplace, you know, is not is not Virginia. Um, and for me, it's not just, you know, to me, it's a psychological. It's it's a psychological thing to cross th- that I I see for me to cross the river to go watch sports teams I grew up with here particularly in the city over there. Um, and that's just, you know, that's that's just the reality of it. All right, well, one way or the other, next time I see you at the arena, we're clanking cocktails, and we'll watch we'll watch the Wizards lose together. How about yeah, that? They can lose in any state, Kevin. <laughs> hey, Kevin, it's good catching up. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. All right, be good. He's one of the best. Kevin Blackstone, you see him on ESPN. You read him in the Washington Post. We are late. Let's get you your... Uh, Blitz next, and we've got those cap tickets. Keep it right here.
Caller number 10 at 800-636-1067. Congrats, you're winning two tickets to see the Caps. Sunday, March 3rd, Cap 1 Arena against the Arizona Coyotes. Tickets are on sale now for tickets and more event information. Go to thefandc.com slash events, courtesy of Monumental Sports. Kick off your future with the law firm of Kandorian Murad. They're the official Grant and Danny show sponsor. They're going to help protect your assets and update your will and trust. Schedule a free estate planning strategy with one of their Fairfax-based attorneys. They do a great job, and they will take good care of you. Visit kmlawyers.com. Mention the show to get a discount. kmlawyers.com. It is time for our Beltway Blitz. Let's get it started on the ice. Bailey Johnson covers the caps for the post. Bailey, how about the good guys? Three in a row, all in regulation, six critical points, and for the first time all season, 15 goals in a three-game span. Yeah, they're really finding their way right now at a time of year where if you'd asked me a month ago, I would have said the slide would have really hit and they would be pretty well on their way out of it at this point. But they're right in the hunt. They're only, I think it's five points back of Tampa in the eighth spot with three games in hand. Like, there's still a long way to go and there's a lot of ground they need to make up. It's probably not quite as rosy as the standings make it look right now, but there's a chance. And I'm not sure a month ago I would have said there was a chance. Yeah, 100% with you, Bailey. It's one of those things where I, w- I want to open the door. I want to walk outside and believe that there's sunshine, but the last couple times I did it, I got punched in the face by like a, a super sneaky uh, hidden force that told me to go back down to my basement and stop believing, but they've played well. Like that's to me the most important part of it, regardless of opponent where they are. They weren't doing that before this little stretch here. Is it real? Like do, have we, have we, dare I say, use the phrase, have they turned a corner? I think in some ways they have, and whether or not it's ultimately enough for their playoff push to be successful right now is not immaterial because of course that matters, but Mm -hmm. the way that they're playing is so different now than how it was earlier in the year. When they were winning games in November, it was a lot of hanging on for dear life, Charlie Lindgren being their savior. And he's certainly still been fantastic. And he's started to find his game a little bit more as they've tightened up their defense over the last couple of weeks. But Spencer Carberry has talked over the last week or so about how they've shifted their offensive philosophy and realized that the way this team needs to score goals is much more of a little bit more jump and chase, much more of a grinding, get to the front of the net, and that's kind of a catch, not a catch 22, but like it takes guys time to ingrain that in their play because when you're a more high octane looking to score off the rush team, guys don't always want to go to the front of the net because they're not sure the puck is going to get to them there. And if you're not going to get rewarded, are you really going to go? So you have to kind of almost luck into a couple where guys do get rewarded for going to the front of the net for that light bulb to go on. And I think we've seen that. I mean, the game against Montreal last week, almost all of their goals came to the front of the net. The same against New Jersey and that huge 6-2 win on Tuesday. Last night, they were a little flashier offensively against the Tampa team that was pretty weak defensively. But the way they came back and pulled that win out after giving up two goals quickly, Spencer Carberry mentioned that he didn't feel like his team was rattled. He didn't think they were panicking. He knew they were going to get it back together. And at the beginning of the season, this team might have panicked in that situation. Bailey, I'm curious about Ovi and how we got here. Everyone's talking about the goals. Eight and eight games going into last night. He's just playing better hockey across the board, though. He's skating better. He looks fresher. He's got a 10-game point streak, first time since 2018. He's got 22 points in 19 games. I mean, am I crazy, or is this look nothing like the early part of the season with him? It looks absolutely nothing like the early part of the season with him, and it's hard to put your finger on exactly what's changed. I mean, he went to Dubai and rode a camel during the bye week, and maybe Mm -hmm. that's all it took for him to get over the hump, so to speak. 
but he really does. He looks totally rejuvenated, and he's always been a player where rest and being able to turn off from hockey is important to him, and it really seems like the breaks helped him. It got him his mind off of the struggles he was having, and he's come back, and he's just been playing hockey, and that's always when guys are at their best, when they're not overthinking it, they're not pressing, they're not as coaches always say, gripping their stick too tight. Like, he's just playing hockey right now, and it's working really well for him. Bailey, that's a new-level dad joke unlocked right there. I don't even know if you did it when you said get over the hump. I mean, you literally just referenced a camel. I'm sitting there slapping my knee. I'm in my 40s. That was perfect. Uh, but to, to that point, it's not just that some of the pucks are going to the back of the net. It's that just he looks better. You know what I mean? Like, it's he's moving better, and it just it looks more in tune and just seems to be a better player than he was, again, only a few weeks ago. Yeah, he's definitely physically rejuvenated, and it was an intentional camel. Oh, you know, I yeah, can't take credit it. for it. Steve Wino published that in the Associated Press the other day, and we all had a good laugh about it. So felt like I needed to bring that one up. But no, you're right. Obi looks totally rejuvenated. And I mean, it, kind of for the first few games, you're like, is this just a little bump after the break? And then he'll tail back off. But he really hasn't. Like, no player is going to be 100% the max level of themselves every night. But it's probably been 90% of the game since the break that I feel like he's been one of the best players that they have. And you couldn't have said that earlier on in the year. Last thing real quick. If they beat the Panthers tomorrow in sunrise, I'm going to feel like they're really in the mix here. I mean, then it's four in a row. It's eight points. Now you're beating some of the elites of the conference. I'm putting a lot of eggs in that basket as a show-me game, but they got to go on with TJ without TJ Oshie now. So first of all, timeline on Oshie, and then second, the, the import of that game tomorrow. Yeah, so there's no timeline on Oshie. Spencer was pretty iffy on that today he said it's not a situation where he's going to be skating today or tomorrow so obviously he won't play it was suggested that maybe then it's not as severe as it looked last night and Spencer shied away from committing to that there's no timeline my guess is that they're waiting until he gets back to dc and gets fully evaluated by their medical staff obviously they have a great medical staff with them on the road but significantly more resources back at home so my guess is we'll have to wait a little bit to know exactly what's going on there um, and as far as the game tomorrow, you're right. It's a huge test for this team. I think Florida's the best team in the East. They've been outstanding. Two of their key players in Matthew Kachuk and Gustav Forsling got hurt last night against Carolina. There's no update on if they'll play tomorrow or not. That would certainly go in the cap's favor if they're out. For me, it's less about tomorrow specifically just because Florida is such a good team. But I think they have to win two of the next three to feel like they have a chance. So after Florida, they go home and play Ottawa on Monday. And then they go to Detroit, one of the other teams that they're chasing for potential playoff spot on Tuesday. So I think even if they drop Saturday's game in Florida, as long as they don't get totally run out of the building, it's not a huge red flag. But if the next three don't go their way, then they're in trouble. Bailey, thank you as always. Have a great weekend. Thanks, guys. That NFL sounder, Dares. Okay, Mark Schofield from SB Nation joins us to talk about the NFL. Mark, what do you make of this giant salary cap leap that grows at like 78% per year? It just shows us that the NFL can just pretty much print money at this point. I mean, 10 years ago, the 2014 season, the salary cap was $133 million that year. It's $255 million for this upcoming season. It shows no signs of slowing down. We learned like yesterday that Amazon Prime is going to pay $150 million just for one playoff game. We're going to see more of that, I think, going forward with these streaming services, paying obscene amounts of money to stream playoff games or a Black Friday game. This is going to keep going up. Now, we'll probably see some sort of mid-range players get big deals as a result, but it shows no sign of slowing down for the NFL. Mark, it seems like we've reached the point of the offseason where some stars are about to start getting cut around the league. Uh, it looks like four-time Pro Bowler Xavier Howard, the terrific corner from the Dolphins, is getting the boot. Is he still one of the best corners in the league? What kind of market will there be for him? 
I think there will be a solid market for him. I don't know if he's one of the best corners in the league. I think you're talking about a player that's probably, you know, top 15, top 20 corner at this point in his career, but still somebody that can fit in a couple of different scheme-type systems, can still play good man coverage, can fit in some zone coverage schemes. And I think, obviously, with the way the game is played and the trend towards the passing game that we've seen in recent years, teams need good coverage players. And especially now with what we just talked about, the bump in the salary cap, Teams that have a lot of cap space, a team like Washington Commanders with, you know, 96 million now in cap space or the New England Patriots right behind them and 86 million teams that have that money to spend. They'll certainly be making some phone calls towards, towards his people in the next couple of days. Mark, I was kicking this around and thinking about it. It's the usual cadre or the usual a number of teams, give or take, that are going to need quarterbacks. It's the you know, it's such a limited resource and there are only so few that took it to go around, whether it's draft or free agency. But the free agent crop is not that sexy sort of after Cousins. It's a lot of wrinkles. It's a Tannehill. It's kind of your usual sort of Case Keenum tier of QBing. How do you think teams are going to approach the draft? Do you think folks are going to be maybe more aggressive than a lot of us are thinking about trying to trade up and kind of, you know, maybe land one of these guys? I think so because of that reason, like you said, this is not the best free agency crop of quarterbacks. And the other thing to keep in mind, Daniel Jeremiah had his pre-combine press conference conference call yesterday, and what he says is very much in line with how people around the league feel. The next quarterback draft class, next year's class right now, doesn't really move the needle the way we've had, say, this year's quarterback draft class, last year's quarterback draft class. It doesn't have the league excited right now. Now, we always see a player or two rise this year, Jaden Daniels, you know, Joe Burrow a couple of years ago. So maybe somebody rises in next year's rookie class. But it doesn't seem that solid right now. So when you have a weaker free agency class and the potential for a down-year quarterback-wise in next year's draft – when you're looking at this draft class and this offseason, teams might be more aggressive to go up and get their quarterback because of those two reasons. What's your prediction right now? You got the Bears, Commanders, Patriots, all kind of penciled in for QBs at the top of the draft board. How do you see the top three picks going? I do see Caleb one, Drake May two, although, you know, maybe the teams view it differently and it's Drake May one, Caleb two. I think it's going to be very interesting with New England at three because you're hearing a lot of buzz. You're seeing a lot of people say, you're hearing a lot of people say, well, maybe they go in a different direction. Maybe they draft a Marvin Harrison Jr. Maybe they draft Joe Walt or Ola, the, the left, left tackle from Penn State. Maybe they decide that, look, the best non-QB available is a better move for us than the third quarterback in the draft. And maybe they go down the veteran route. Maybe they make a trade for, say, Justin Fields. But I do think that at three, it gets a little bit interesting with the Patriots. I think quarterback one and two seems pretty set. QB at three for New England is a bit more of a discussion. Mark, I got to sneak this in super quick. What was your reaction to the teaser trailer, Lewis Hamilton sitting down across from Toto Wolf for the new Drive to Survive season coming out soon? What was your reaction? Look, you got, guys, the second I hang up here, I'm, I'm turning on Netflix to watch this series because I can't wait. Obviously, you know, I do the NFL and F1 at SB Nation, but – it was just absolutely perfect. And look, last year's Formula One season wasn't too exciting, but I think Daniel Ricciardo coming back, and now this Lewis Hamilton leaving Mercedes to go to Ferrari at the end of this season, that gave those producers a lot of stuff to work with. They probably had to work some late nights to edit some stuff I'm off sure. and cut some stuff off. But once they got that bit of news, they were like, okay, we, we finally get something we can get viewers in for. Thank you, Mark. We appreciate you, buddy. Thanks so much, guys. Have a good one. Yeah, Thanks, be bud. good. Good to catch up with you again. GP, did you see that, by the way? I have not. The little teaser. I mean, like I saw it's coming out. I hairs standing up on my arm.
Like, because you know, you know my guy, Toto Wolf, the, the big boss of the Mercedes team, Lewis Hamilton, seven time world champion. We now know what happens after this, but it basically is just camera, them chatting with each other. Drive to survive, bro. That's perfectly done. The greatest. Netflix doesn't miss. Uh, that was your Beltway Blitz. Next on G&D, how patient will you be with this regime? This is the fan. The Steelers have released their starting center. Hadn't missed a game the last two years. Mason Cole, he's being cut. It is that time all over the league. 49ers releasing cornerback Isaiah Oliver. Be curious to see what Washington does. If they want to, they can make a couple of decisions and free up a bunch of cap space. Now, it's not like they need any, $87 million. But if you are watching the tape, which we know all those assistants are doing. In fact, I was driving out of Ashburn the other day. And you could just see in all the rooms, it's yep. like dark now, but they're they're cut ups and they're kind of clicking the the clicker and they're going through and you see the field and they're watching Washington games. It was neat. Not scouting somebody else, but you know they're scouting their own team. But if you come to the conclusion this guy can't help us or we don't like him as a fit and we could save a little money, it's not like they need the money, but it's still time to make that decision right here, right now. Yeah, there are a number of easy moves. And again, you're talking about people's lives, careers, et cetera. It's not to be flippant about it, but it would make sense to me, for example, move on from Logan Thomas, save $6.5 million against the cap. That's even a, a, a pre-June 1st cut. You don't have to do anything, any finagling. That That is a pretty obvious one to me. If you want to do a post-June 1st, you didn't like Andrew Wiley, get out of that deal. You could save $5 million doing that post-June 1 designation. I'd imagine there's dead cap with him, right? There would be if, if, they, if they did post-June 1. But still. Only a year into his deal. But still, there, there are moves to be made if you want to start clearing the deck for guys. I mean, the, the Logan Thomas one makes too much sense on his uh, $8-plus million cap hit. You'd have a one seven five dead cap. You know, six point five million dollar in savings. For example, uh, those are easy ones that are, are top of mind. Yeah, we've heard different names, whether it's Leno, Thomas, uh, Nick Gates, whatever. You know, pop up as if they want to create some space. So it is that time of year. Clearly, a question though for you guys: How patient should we plan on being with this group, and do we think this fan base will be if they draft a quarterback at number two? Presumably. Right away, you're hoping next season to see that guy flash like a strobe light. Whether it's May or Daniels or whoever, you want them to go out and you want to feel like by the end of the year, you found a guy. Doesn't have to be C.J. Stroud, meteoric rise, offensive rookie of the year, best season for a rookie quarterback ever. I'd like that. That would be fun too. But as long as the good outweighs the bad, you know, there's a bunch of highlights mixed in with the lowlights. You see the flash throws and athleticism in moments if it's Daniels. Maybe some electric touchdown runs, you know, and some big boy throws from the pocket reading through progressions. If it's May, some great scramble out of the pocket, creating plays, extending plays, like making uh, the the plus throws he made, 40 big-time throws via PFF in college the last two years. That's what you're looking for, obviously. But beyond that, they're going to spend. They got a lot of money to spend, and they're going to take other players. What should be the, the timeline and the patience that we kind of sign up for before you start saying the results now matter more than progress? Like it is time to start winning football games. Because with Rivera, I think it was probably year th- by the middle of year three that I think people started going, what? Come on, man. Like, really? And there was not to say there weren't frustrations already with decisions in the quarterback room and, and different things that had happened. But 
let's talk patience for the new regime. Yeah, the my biggest issue with Rivera and company was if you're asking for patience, then you do things that look like long-term building. That's not Ryan Fitzpatrick at 40 years old. You do long-term building type moves, which is you draft a quarterback, you find a way to have a young signal caller, you uh, you know sort of have this youth movement, maybe a couple supplementary veterans that didn't do that. They just sort of said, we're, we think we're good right now. The biggest, the worst thing that happened, honestly, is they won that wacky, terrible division in year number one. So they thought maybe they were better than they were, and the expectations were higher for year two. Huge mistake, ultimately, as it boils down. You don't apologize for winning the division, but again, in terms of building in your plan, it kind of threw things off, and Rivera couldn't handle it, obviously, and they were overmatched, and thank God they're gone. But for this group now, I plan on being very patient, and I think I'm in the minority. This is why I've been, I've been, I've been itching, chomping at the bit to talk about this. I think people are going to be freaking out the instant they start losing again. If they're, if they're three and six or kind of the normal bad start to the season, even with the kid quarterback. I don't think people can handle Yes, I don't think people can handle the patience that's required. I'm begging. I'm hoping that the, the Harris Ownership Group communications folks over there hear what I'm about to say. Please share the plan. Be forthright and forthcoming and say we're looking for because they won't say they, they use words like recalibrate and and re, recompense and re calorie morphalize. Just say rebuild. Just say that. If you are honest with people, they might be irritated when they lose to the Cowboys on a Sunday. But if there is a light at the end of the tunnel and say, we are working towards this special thing, not some flash-in-the-pan eight-win team that barely ekes in and gets the doors blasted off in some weekend in January, we're trying to build you something special. Give us a minute. We're trying to undo all the terrible from before. Tell everyone that. I think people are going to get really pissed off way too early and not have enough patience with this regime. I think you can handle it. I think I can handle it. Not to say we're better or worse than anybody. I think this fan base is so tired, and they don't want to wait for anything. I think they're going to freak out the minute it doesn't go well in year one. I don't think so. They weren't that way with Rivera, and they had no reason to give him the benefit of the doubt. He had never won anything. He got to a Super Bowl that one time when his quarterback was the MVP. And I understand you could say the same about Dan Quinn as a head coach, but I don't really view this like I viewed the last era as the Rivera's Mm -hmm. because he ran everything. Dan Quinn is a piece to the puzzle. I'm trying not to focus all that much, frankly, on Dan Quinn. But Peters has three rings, would have won a fourth if the 49ers could have finished the game against the Chiefs with a win. The ownership group's the whole reason to have some patience. Mm -hmm. This is their first season. It's their first offseason. They're doing this thing the right way. They're the anti-Dan. So I I just I go back to Rivera when year one, everyone was excited. There was no expectation. They got on their little heater. They made the playoffs that you referenced. Year two, I'm going, ugh. I'm already seeing the signs that they, 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 they don't get it. You know, these people, and I mean the the front office, the Mm -hmm. coach, like this is not going to work. They don't see football the right way in 2023. But by and large, at that time, if you chastised or called out or took issue with or had umbrage with something, you were vilified. People were in Ron We Trust still. That was year two. Year three, it wasn't really until deep into the season that people started to turn. And Dan Snyder was still the owner at the time. And you gave him two and a half years. Now you've got a GM who you actually can give the benefit of the doubt to, an ownership group you can give the benefit of the doubt to, a coach that while he's very Rivera-ish, I would say is still an upgrade, look at the staff that he put together, a better staff altogether. 
Why wouldn't people be more patient with this group than they were with Ron? They were very patient with him. They won't be because I see. I, I, well, okay, it's, it, it is a fair question. Do you disagree with the theory, though? Like, let's not sleep on how long it was before people turned on Rivera. I I think it was a reaction to people having legitimate questions, right? Like they've been so everyone gets sold a bill of goods that are still fans of this team. Every time there's a new change, every time there's a LaFamina, every time there was a Bruce Allen, every time there was a Scott McLuhan, every time there was a, a new quarterback, a new, a new, a new, a new, every time fewer and fewer people bought what the team was selling. But the people that kept coming back were, it was almost a reaction to you and I or anybody else going, not to overstate our importance, but to you and I going, hey, are we sure these guys know what they're doing? This didn't make any sense, this whole uh, Chris Blewett thing. And this didn't make any sense the way they're treating the quarterback spot, rotating it a bunch of times. It didn't make any sense when they're going Carson Wentz or it doesn't make any sense when they're doing Ryan Fitzpatrick or William Jackson or guys that were good in Carolina that time. It didn't make any sense. And it was, no, 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 this is it. You guys are just haters. You hate, you hate, you hate. I think now that we're all going, yes, this is great. This is it. This is what we've been begging for. The expectation, because you've got a GM, the expectation because it's a it's a football guy, head coach with a great staff, that they're going to win right now. And I think I don't think people are going to be able to handle that this requires patience. I think people are smart enough. Everybody's here now knew. It, it, it would be nice, and it can happen overnight, if they have a bang-up offseason in free agency. They won't be aggressive as I want them to be. I know that. I would go out and spend a ton of money and bring in four marquee starters, you know, billboard type players. They're not going to do that. I know that. But they're going to spend they're, they're going to spend 40, 50 million dollars in free agency. They have to. They're going to have hopefully a productive draft class. So they're going to get better quickly and maybe they're in contention in year 1, ideally in year 2, but you've got a, a rookie quarterback you know that comes with ups and downs. Mm-hmm. You know that that does not result in getting to the playoffs in the first season almost ever, C.J. Stroud notwithstanding. People are smart. I th- I think they'll be plenty patient. I think they I will. I would love for that to be right. I, but I, like, I don't know how to say it. Like, they're, we've never seen them not be, in other words. Well, but they, they but are. I, when... I, you're saying, like, they're now the ownership, the GM, you're so happy, you're so excited that you're like, not going to be able to help it essentially, which I get. But my point is, you've lost for thirty years. You kind of know how it works. Like you're used to that part of it. Let me try a different tact. When we were like, "Hey, what do you guys want to do in the draft?" Everybody that called us was like, "Trade back, be- it- it go." And, and what- then what does that mean? Let's go with a let's go with another Jacoby Brissett quarterback. We got callers that want to do saying that. Saying that to try to go win nine games. That's exactly what they're doing. No, they're they're the, desperate the, to do that. They think I, that's the way you do it. I don't think so. I th- well, yes, they do think that that's how you do it. But they're not saying trade back because they want to make the playoffs this year. And they think Jacoby Brissett's the way to do that. They want to trade back because they're petrified of missing on a quarterback. See, I think that's exactly what they want. I think, I think yes, they're petrified of missing on a quarterback. And they think the pathway to success is journeyman Jag, veteran Victor, and uh, this great roster that you can now uh, compile around them. I don't, think, I don't think people have patience like they should. I really don't. Yeah, I guess those two aren't – I don't know how to relate those. Would people rather rather wins the the wrong way to ask? Do people think that you can win with a Jag quarterback and a really good roster around them? Because Joe Gibbs did it three times. Yes, absolutely. You know who else has done it? Adam Peters just came from San Francisco, where Brock Purdy was in the Super Bowl with 
a great offensive line mm -hmm. and tremendous wide receivers and an elite tight end and an awesome defense. So like, yeah, I mean, there's, there is the logic and the theory that you can win that way, but I don't hop from that lily pad to the next, which is to say that fans are going to be angry with Adam Peters if they're not in the playoffs this year, or like they're going to be upset with Jaden Daniels or Drake may if they show growing pains in their first season. Fair? Like, do you think that... So we're, we're talking in generalities here, obviously. There'll, there'll, be, there'll be a huge section of the fan base that gets it. But I think, the, I think we sleep on the huge, enormous group, if we're doing the Venn diagram, that in that circle is, you play the best player, compete, win, run the ball. Like, they're yelling the same refrains right. since they were kids, and they, that, they don't want to do a build. Like, we, we, have a, we have a guy that calls us all the time, and you, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about, who wanted to go with the veteran quarterback every second of, of the entire uh, process because that might win you one more game. Instead of you and I going, well, we're trying to do something special here. We're trying to figure out if this kid is, is a super high ceiling guy. And Sam Howe, no, 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 no. The, 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 you go with the veteran. You, go, you play with the best player. You play with the best player. And that refrain carries you through. Like, th they, that is the philosophy. Anything you have to do to try to win that week, you count them up in the end. So you're basically begging to win eight or nine games. And I think that's a huge portion of this fan okay, base. Okay, so, yeah, I think that fans would rather win eight or nine games with a veteran than win five in year one of a rookie. Mm -hmm. I don't think that that means that they will take issue with ownership, GM, coach, if they go 6-11 and 11 this year. I think those are two different things. I think fans, and by the way, a lot of coaches are this way, mm -hmm. and it's infuriating. They, to, every win is better than a, than less. Like there's no, you're you're not staring at the the one tree. You're kind of looking at the forest kind of deal. It's result over process. So I agree with that. Yeah, I think it, the average fan goes, if you can go sign some like 36 year old wide receiver and he'll catch a few passes and help you get to nine and eight, let's do that. But. Uh, if the question is as simple as, is the fan base going to be patient enough? Or, like, are they going to get antsy if it takes a couple years before they get this thing going? They don't really have a choice. I, I, I think they're going to be along for the ride. I think they trust in Peters. We saw that when people just blindly were like, how dare you not be excited about the head coaching <laughs> right. hire? You idiot. Adam Peters picked him. And I'm like, yeah, but we don't know. Did, did Adam Peters like three other guys more and he ended up with him? 800-636-1067 if you guys want to hop in. Question for you on the MGM National Harbor listener lines. Do you think Commanders fans will be willing to be patient if this takes a couple years to turn around and it isn't a quick overnight renaissance? You're listening to the fan. Top of the hour, we'll take our stab at predicting where the top free agent quarterbacks in the NFL are going to end up. Also, next hour, is Steven Strasburg going to show up at spring training before tomorrow's deadline, and what if he doesn't? We'll get into that on Grant and Danny. Right now, though, how much patience are you willing to extend to the Harris Ownership Group, Adam Peters, this new front office, as they try to get this organization back on track and winning football games? Now, when will the results start to be equal to the process and how you're viewing things? Is that right away, or is that a couple of years down the road? 
Danny thinks immediately fans are going to want to see results. I think you guys will be more patient, but let's uh, tap in to what you're thinking. Clay's in Fredericksburg. What's up, Clay? Hey, Clay. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I personally am going to be patient because I think that's the only logical you know, reaction to what's likely to be a high, uh, high draft pick, you know, rookie quarterback with first year head coach. However, I do agree with Danny that the majority of fans are going to be overreacting for the worst because of the way the head coach process was handled. Um, it looked like Ben Johnson was the top candidate. And then he says he's staying in Detroit and then Mike McDonald goes to Seattle. And then we end up with Dan Quinn. So, you know, a lot of people are going to be going, do these guys know what they're doing? You know, that's a fair that's point. Mm-hmm. I guess here's my question then. Thanks for the call. Thank you, buddy. He said that there will be fans, no doubt. There's always a loud minority. Like, no one's suggesting there won't be any fans that want to win right away and who are, you know, if they're one in three and the, the young quarterback's struggling, who aren't way over the top in their discussions. Mm-hmm. I guess what I'm saying is, like, I'm not, why do I care about that? I don't, I don't really give that a seat at the table. I, I'm on to Cincinnati. I, I don't listen. Like, everyone doesn't, everyone's opinion doesn't have to matter. I mean, what is the majority of the fan base? Are you? Do you think it's going to be the, like, what is the bulk of the fan base think? Or mm. are we talking about a major portion, like 40%? Yeah, I think it's close to the major portion. So I don't think it's the majority. See, that's where we'll disagree. Yeah, I, don't think I, it's I the agree majority. with you. There will be a lot of loud, annoying, oh, my God, the sky is falling. Dan Quinn's terrible. Drake May sucks, you know, whatever, if they're one in four. Adam Peters wasn't right. The, you know, everyone in the draft class isn't on the way to the Pro Bowl. But I, I just think that the majority of people have common sense. It's like anything in the country, really. When you sit down and you ask 50 people about the pressing issues, a lot of them are pretty similar-minded. You just hear so much from the crazy people. That's kind of where I'm at. It makes sense. I mean, so to me, the the number one thing this, this ownership group and Peters by extension can do is to continue to convey the vision. Continue to explain, this is where we are now, this is where we want to be. The, the Instead of everything being... Think about that Ron Rivera story, the brilliant story that John Kime did end the season, if you guys read that. It was basically... I think whichever, it was Standing. Was it Standing? I thought it was John Kime. In the athletic. I apologize, so it was Standing. But whichever way the wind blows, whatever the latest thing is, the latest trend, whatever thing he read on the internet is what Ron's you know new uh, uh, dictum was, what his new, his new modus operandi was. Don't do that. Have a clear, concise vision. This is where we are. This is where we're going. If you communicate that, people will get it. This is something this organization has been missing. He's in D.C. on Grant and Danny. What's up, E? Hey, how you doing? Hey, man. Hey, man, you're right about that. Um, They need to be straightforward with what they're doing, rebuilding, or um, if they're trying to win now. And I have another thing that we don't have. Um, everybody could say they got patience, but, you know, I listen to the radio and I hear a lot of people, every rookie that we have, we, we dog from Jamin Davis to Chase Young. We don't have patience here for young guys. And I feel like that, um, if we get this young rookie, we never had success with no rookie quarterback. E, let me, let me push back a little bit. I don't want you to hang up, hang with me. I want to I want to see what you think about this. The guys you're referencing now, in Chase Young's rookie year, that's just not correct. Everybody yeah, loved him. Everyone loved him. He was the defensive rookie of the year. It was his sophomore year when he you know when he didn't do anything for a half season and then got hurt that he started to take heat. Jamin Davis is a good example. Jamin Davis has not become what he should have as a first round pick. People weren't wrong. 
Emmanuel Forbes, another example. So what I would say to that is if guys are showing enough promise to warrant the selection or if like nobody's expecting perfection, right? But you Mm -hmm. got, there's got to be good with the bad. So like if they were reactionary to Jamin Davis's first season, they weren't wrong. He was a first round pick who probably is a third round, fourth round type talent. That's what we figured out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, with Emmanuel Forbes, it might be the same way with Chase Young. When we started to get annoyed and talk the way that we did about him in the second round and the second year, it's been four years now. Were we wrong? I don't think we were. So I don't have a problem yeah. with kind of the way people have felt. Like with the young quarterback as an example, and this is what I want your thoughts on, I'll, the example would be like people were down on Haskins, and I'll speak for myself. Uh, and I hate doing this because obviously he's no longer with us and, and rest in peace to him. And it's tragic what happened, and I feel for his family. But like his first year here, now I had the benefit of also talking to a lot of the people in the building who would tell me things like the studying, the, the, the first in, last out stuff, the leadership. Like that wasn't, he wasn't checking those boxes. But from a sheer football standpoint, you watched it and the good was, say, 10% and the bad was 90%. If the good is 40% or 50%, I think people feel differently. Like you're looking for the moments, the flashes, the he's got it, wow plays, and they weren't there. And I think if they're there, even if the guy isn't that good, people would view it very differently. Do you disagree with that? Um, yeah, but kind of, sort of. Um, this is my thing. See, here we don't have older, good veterans to teach our young guys. That's the problem um, from the cornerbacks along with the coaching. Um, when you look at the great ones, they play, they sit down, and they, they learn from the better players on their team. We bring a guy here, and they it's really nobody to learn from. You know, like with the Chase Youngs and the Montez Wick, you had a whole John Allen. Allen and Payne couldn't help at all? Ryan Kerrigan early on? Ryan Kerrigan's not a good leader to ask questions of? Thank you, buddy. You know, in the linebacking room, uh, John Bostick, who who runs, uh, he's like a real estate mogul now and a brilliant guy that – you know, Jamin Davis couldn't ask him a few questions. I I will disagree on that. You know, in the corner room last year, you had Kendall Fuller. Safety room, Cam Curl's pretty good. Been around a few years. Made good on being a seventh-round pick. Uh, if that's true, though, let's just say hypothetically you're right. The staff now is a lot better. So that should fix at least part of that Should problem. help some of that. 800-636-1067 is the number. Do you think the fan base will be patient and if the team really struggles next season and it's more process than results and they're saying, hey, here's where we were better, but we don't see it in the, the wins and losses, do you think fans will get reactive? That's the question on Grant and Danny.
I would say, uh, one, it's a, it's a cool question, Liam. I would say uh, I want to make sure, above all things, um, that our identity takes place about how we play football and that um, when people watch us play, they know what commander's football looks like. You know, we're going to find our true north to say we are going to be explosive, we are going to be physical. If we do those things right and if we can get to that space quickly, um, the success will follow from that. But you can't put a prediction on that without having those things in place. So uh, I'm somebody that wants to hit every rung of the ladder and not jump across steps to get to somewhere where you, you left some things off. So we're going to hit all those markers on the way. How quickly our team connects, uh, how quickly the staff and the team connects, that's where it's at. And so the success will be derived from that. And uh, we're going to try to accelerate as fast as we can. Um, but there's a lot of work to do. And so once we get to that you know, final roster that we put in place to, to start the season in September, um, we've got a lot of work to do between now and then. That's Dan Quinn from his introductory presser. Grant and Danny on the fan. Remember, kick off your future with the law firm of Kondorian Murad. They're the official show sponsor. They'll help protect your assets, update your will and trust, schedule a free estate planning strategy with one of their Fairfax-based attorneys. Visit kmlawyers.com and mention GND. The show to score yourself a discount. That's kmlawyers.com. I love that answer. Look, you can't do what Ron Rivera did, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Rivera quite literally over and over again for like four years talked about five-year plans. It doesn't take five years. It shouldn't take five years. I think that is an irresponsible ask. It's kind of outrageous to suggest. you got to give me five years. I told you guys it would take five years. That's ridiculous. Teams get better in a year sometimes. You could go worse to first in this league. Miami, Philly, Detroit, everyone got was bad and got good while you were busy staying bad. So Dan Quinn shouldn't. You're saying like, uh, and I think you're right, like, please be transparent. Tell us what's happening. Give us an idea of the timeline. You can't come out and say it's going to take four or five years. No. Dan Quinn did that. That was the cut, you know, mm -hmm. in his introductory press conference. I'm not promising you guys we'll be really good next year. This is a process. Here's how we're going to go about it. It's going to take a little time. Adam Peters has done the same thing. The Harris Ownership Group has done the same thing. So they're saying it. People can listen or not. You know, they're, they're <laughs> going to hear the words or they aren't. But they're not going to come out and say, we'll be in the playoffs in two years. We'll be in the uh, second round of the playoffs in three years. We'll be in the conference championship game in four years. We'll win a Super Bowl in five. Like, that's not how it's going to work. No, of course not. It's not so linear. What you just heard is kind of what their refrain is, which is we're going to play a brand of football that you guys are going to like. We're going to give our chance to win a lot of football games quickly by how we develop, how we promote, how we coach, and the players that we have in our building. But we got a lot to fix. It's going to take some time. So I kind of like that part of it. Uh, the question we're asking you guys right now is, what kind of patience are you going to have with this new regime? So I'm going to have a lot of patience. I don't know exactly where that goes. I don't know how many years that means. I don't know how many games that means. I, as long as I feel like I can see what they see, that was my big frustration with Rivera and company. Again, I hate to keep harkening back to that, but it's, it's a recent data point that we can all kind of relate to. I just never saw what they saw. And what they saw, what they told us they saw, changed every week, it seemed like. One week we're, we're building, next week we're going for it, the next week we're roster building, the next week after we're going to find the young quarterback and drop him into this ready-made roster, then we didn't do a ready-made roster because we're team building. All these different you know, contradictory, nonsensical phrases about competition and things that never came to fruition. As long as I can see 
what the plan is, whether I like it or not. And then we'll have reasonable room for discussion. Adults can have conversations, and you can generally be in, but you have a small gripe with this, that, or the other. Very reasonable to do. That's normal football course of events, normal sports course of events. Like, I prefer this starting pitcher in free agency. I prefer this one. And then we have a sports debate. Yay, we'll be fine. But as long as I can see what they're moving towards and they're actually taking the steps to move towards that, I'll be fine. So maybe that's three years. I don't know. But it, but to me, as long as there's a clear communication, as long as there's a set of criteria that we're supposed to judge them by, and then you don't change it after it doesn't work, I'll be fine. I, I, I'll be, I will be very patient, but I, I feel like I'm in the minority on that. Yeah. For me, it's not black and white. Like, I need them to be winning by this time, or this is the amount of... I don't really do it that way. I've got to trust what you're doing, and you've got to give me a reason to do that. And Rivera didn't. Mm -hmm. And over and over again, his decision makers in the front office didn't. They got too many important things wrong. Really, for me, the whole ball game early is quarterback. I will spend a lot of next year evaluating Peters, Newmark, some of the guys that have come in to help them in the front office by way of their free agency class in the draft. So not wins and losses as much as free agency mm -hmm. and the draft, and specifically the QB. With Dan Quinn, his staff is a big part of it, obviously, position by position. But in-game decisions, quality of the defense, improvements on defense. Is he getting more out of guys like Forbes and St. Juice and Jamin Davis like I think he should and could? Those are the things I'm going to care a lot about. If they're not winning, yeah, eventually I'll grow frustrated, but it's going to take care of itself. There's a Bill Walsh book that I read that I love. I told you about this, actually. You did. Uh, a few months ago. I, I just thought it's a famous book, but um, I read it for the first time, and it's called The Score Will Take Care of Itself, or The Score Takes Care of Itself. Um, and it's all about leadership. You, you know, It can apply to anything non-football, but obviously he talks from the perspective of coaching the 49ers. The score takes care of itself. If you're doing all these things like I want you to do them or, or in a way where I am trusting you, the score is going to take care of itself. I, I feel good about that. Let's go to Nick in Winchester. How are you, Nick? Hey, Nick. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Um, I... Your phone's no, back. I'm going to put you on hold because you've been waiting a while. So I'm going to put you on hold, my guy. Check that connection with him, right? Let's go to Dante in the district. What's up, buddy? Hey, what's going on, man? Hey, buddy. So listen, are y'all going to be patient? Heck no. <laughs> Should they be patient? Yes. But society is impatient. Society is impatient with everything. If we had an Olympic team and they lost, we wouldn't be patient. The reality is fans are fanatics and unrealistic about what it takes to build in the right way to have long-term success. We're an instant society. We make grits in one minute. We want uh -huh. eggs to be cooked in less than 30 seconds. We are a fast food built structure now. So, no, they won't be patient. I honestly thought that they should have never broke up the team the way they did it last year. There was a lot of things that Chase Young needed to work on, but that happens when a kid is 22, 23 years old developing. The same thing, which I still don't understand about getting rid of Montez Sweat, um, I 
think that hurt the development of where the team was going. You lost. Well, it did, but thanks Thank for you, the call. That where the team was going wasn't important. Was seven wins. Yeah, the, the <laughs> team was going to getting the seventh pick or the, the sixth or the eighth pick, and instead they got the second pick. And by trading Montez Sweat, you didn't pay him $26 million a year, which is what he got from the Bears, which is nice. You have that flexibility and cap space to use to recruit Adam Peters. Maybe he wouldn't have come here if he had less cap space to spend as the top GM candidate. You use that to recruit your coach that you wanted. You went and got Dan Quinn, who they say uh, was a priority for them. And I like Sweat, by the way. I, I, Love I, Sweat. I advocated signing him a couple of years ago before they signed Deron Payne. I was like, you know, going into the season before Payne had his breakout. I'm going, they should do this now. Yeah, I was right? one of the few people last year, if we want to do that, that didn't want to pay Deron Payne last offseason right. when they did and wanted to pay Montez Sweat. I got no problem with him. But in season last year, to then try to pay him or tag him this year or pay him a huge contract to avoid free agency, it didn't make sense to me. Uh, they needed to keep as much money available mm-hmm. for what they're about to have as possible. Yeah, flexibility was the key there. New ownership, new GM, new coach, and a lot of money, number one amount of money to spend. So you can also, I think, find and replace his production. I like Sweat, but at less than $26 million. You might be able to spend $26 mil on two ends mm-hmm. that can average more sacks, more pressures, a lot of that stuff, and, and give you both sides of the ball or something, which is probably what they're going to do. But that's a whole other tangent and a whole other conversation. Um, back to kind of the original point, I think he makes a great point. Yeah. Everybody wants to cook everything in a microwave. Nobody wants to use a crock pot, which is why at the start of the conversation, not trying to sandbag what we were saying, I guess I don't care if there are some fans who aren't patient. Like that is, it's not part of my uh, windshield. You know, it's not what's in front of me in my car. Will there be people that aren't? Yes. So what I'm asking is, is the majority of the fan base going to be that way? I don't think so. I think most of the fan base is bought in on where we're headed. And the the minor, like there's still people that scream about, you know, every decision they've made or, or whether they should have done this or that or who should have been hired as the GM or whatever. There's only so much air in the room, you know, like <laughs> yeah. not everyone gets it. Don in Ashburn, what's up? How Don, he's doing Don. Hey, what's up, fellas? Hey man. So, yeah, I think you've got to have a lot of patience because it, it feels like the adults are back in charge. It's, it felt that way when the Harris group came in, but that seemed to kind of stop um, with Rivera where you started to lose your confidence. When you look back on the season, when you go from playing the Eagles in a really good game and you turn around and the next week you lose to the Bears and you it's embarrassing. Um, but I think, you know, and I, I think if you look at where this – uh, new regime is going to take the team. Um, I get a little worried because I think they're going to win some games that people don't think that they're going to win, and they could end up being like a six-win team potentially or, or seven-win team potentially. And that's where this fan base will, will lose their patience because they'll start thinking that we're back on track when it's just some of the, the X's and O's are starting to be put back in place and we're seeing the success of, you know, competent people actually running a bad team can still look pretty decent. And I think that's where we lose. It. I think that's sharp because if, if this coaching staff coached this team last year's team, I don't think they ended up with the number two pick. No now, I don't, I don't think they're winning 10, 11 games. I just don't think the talent was there, but I think that have been better. They probably win two more games. Yeah. I, actually. Two or three? It depends. Honestly, if Cliff Kingsbury's good, maybe three more games. I don't know what Cliff Kingsbury is going to be yet, but I think that offensively, Howell's development was really stunted as we look back at last year by the enemy. 
They lost 14-7 to the Giants. Maybe they, you know, I don't know, managed more than 14 points in a game. Well, they could have won both Giants games. I mean, you, you could go back and play that game all yeah. year long. And there's games they barely won that maybe they lost. Sure. You know, so I think Dan Quinn hopefully goes for two in that Eagles game. And maybe you win that one rather than going to overtime. Hunter's in Richmond. What's up, Hunter? Hey, guys. Thank you. Uh, first time, long time. Love the show, man. Appreciate uh, you, I heard Danny do Nice. I was waiting on it. <laughs> yeah, you got it. You know what to do. Um, hey, the uh, so I I would be slightly disappointed. I've been watching this team my whole life, be 40 this year, and I, I will have patience. I'm excited for the new regime. And the only reason I say that, there is a scenario where I would be disappointed if they do the same as they did this year, maybe four or five wins. The reason I say that is because this team hasn't had this plethora of advantages going into the offseason as they have this year. That The picks, the draft, the uh, cap space, mm-hmm. I just think if, they, if that translates into another five-win season this coming year, that there will be some disappointment from the fan base for sure. I think that's probably true. Good phone call. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, buddy. Here's the caveat. We don't know if they're going to spend like you and I are, are hoping and want them to. Mm-hmm. We don't know how much of the $87 million on this year's cap goes to... It's such a variable how they approach it, man. ...good football players for this year. And we also don't know, like, their draft picks, just hypothetically. Maybe they trade back from two, and they get three ones into the future and a, a two and a four this year or something like that. Well, all of a sudden, this year's draft is a lot less exciting. But you've set yourself up over the next three or four years have unbelievable drafts. So is the priority going to be get better quickly and aggressively and sinking their teeth into free agency in the draft to kind of attack this season or kind of setting things up foundationally for the long haul? But I think generally he's right. You're going into an offseason with the most money to spend and maybe the best draft situation of anybody. Five in the top 100, six in the top 102. Yeah, it's you and the Bears are in the conversation. That's it. Guess what? you probably should be a couple of games better. I understand that thinking. For me, if you're the same record, but instead of your quarterback being someone who's going to be on the bench next year, now your quarterback was a guy who showed that he's the franchise in the future maybe, then that's a, even though the record was the same, you're in a way better spot. Let's go to Patrick and Orange. Hey, Patrick. Patrick. Hey, guys. How are we doing today? Good, buddy. Hey, so I've been banging this drum that they should do what the Dolphins did, and it looks like a scaled-back version of that. So the first season is almost a throwaway if they're four or five wins. You just want to see them continue to develop. And what the Dolphins did with Tua was they put as many good pieces around him as possible. It took four years, but then he ends up leading the league in passing yards. So if Washington can come away with four or five wins this year, but year two and year three they keep stacking them up, they should be competing for a division title in year three or year four, and that's the expectation. Um, so I, I'm willing to be patient watching them. Thanks, Appreciate buddy. you, dude. Let's go to Yarrett in Arlington on GND. How are you? And good afternoon, gentlemen. Happy Friday. Well, uh, hear me out. Let me say this. I'll be patient if they do a couple of things. First, I agree 100% with Grant. I want him to be aggressive on the free agent. The draft is 50-50, but again, I don't want them to trade down because if they trade down and miss the quarterback and say, you know, we have to find a quarterback, you know, to do this thing all over again, 
that will take a years, and I will not be patient for that. But mm-hmm. if they became aggressive on the free agent, and then if they don't trade down, and if I see a progress week to week, in other words, if there is no blown coverage like we've been seeing for the last four years, then I'll be patient. Thanks for uh, taking my call. Appreciate you, dude. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's if you if you go the rookie quarterback route, which all signs indicate that's the plan, and then do what Rivera did in year one, which is not really surround that young quarterback with much, as they've done a bunch of times over. I know when they traded the farm to get Robert Griffin, there was Pierre Garcon, and that was nice, but uh, who was who was it? Remember his number two receiver? I think he caught like 34 passes. Which got, year? Uh, in 2012, we got that personal foul because he threw the ball at the, Joshua at the opponent. Morgan? Yeah, Josh Morgan. It was his number two. Like, come on. If you build the nest and actually go all in and, and give this rookie a chance Tana to. was really good that year. Oh, Tana yeah. was, yeah, as a slot guy. But if you give them a chance with this, you know, use this time to draft well, add supplemental players in free agency, even a couple of targets, prove the offensive line, et cetera, and really build the nest for this kid and then let him have his ups and downs, I think that's a way to win more hearts and minds there, right, in, term, in terms of that patience thing we're all asking for. I want to get into Steven Strasburg not being at Nats camp. There's a deadline for him to show up tomorrow. Do we think he's going to? We could hit that. By the way, in 40 minutes at 6 o'clock, it's Friday. You know what that means? What? What does it mean? Grant and Danny. Uh-huh. Tony's mailbag. Here we go. It's a segment that we only do on Grant and Danny. Mm-hmm. And that nobody else has ever done before. That's right. It's our version of an Ask Us Anything, where you call up and you kind of steer the show, and uh, we discuss whatever you want us to. It's the Grant and Danny's, Tony's Mailbag, coming up at 6 on The Fan. Putting together a little mini audio vault for you. For 5.45, and then at 6, G&D's Tony's Mailbag. Welcome back, Grant and Danny on the fan. If you missed any part of the show earlier today, including Monica Dixon, the president of external affairs at Monumental Sports, Kevin Blackstone of the Washington Post, both discussing the possibility of the Wiz and the Caps moving to Virginia. If you want to podcast the show, thefandc.com. We also made a big show announcement that we are headed to spring training. We are going to be at West Palm Beach the 2nd through the 6th, and we'll be doing live shows Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I believe that's the 4th, 5th, and 6th. It is, sir. From Nats Camp. So that's going to be awesome. The whole show's going down there. We will have all kinds of fun tales to regale you with, in addition to great baseball coverage, before we ramp things up one week later with the start of the league year in the National Football League. So a nice little change of pace for the show. But... Will we see Steven Strasburg when we get there? Mm. That's the big question. There's a deadline for players to re- report to work, basically. No different than in the NFL. you got to show up for camp by a certain time. And if not, then you could be in trouble. The team could go after you and claim that you are refusing to make good on your contract. Strasburg, as we know, has been at odds with the Washington Nationals since last season. They came out. They announced that they were going to have a Press conference with Steven Strasburg at Nats Park. They started to plan what was going to be pretty clearly a retirement day for him. I don't know that they used the words, but the expectation was his jersey's getting retired. He was the World Series MVP. He's been as important to the Nationals organization as any player in history as a 35-year-old 
who spent his entire career in D.C. And it's become very obvious medically that he will never pitch again. The team knows that. He and his agent, Scott Boris, know that. So at one point in time last year, Danny, we find out, Presser, yep. we're, we're going to staff the thing. Like, everybody's going to be there. We're going. And it'll be the Strauss Celebration Day at Nats Park. And then all of a sudden it was off. And you got statements from the Strasburg side and from the Nats side where they say, all right, fine, we'll see him at spring training. But it was really wild. And frankly, it was disappointing if you're a Nats fan because one of your favorite players ever and your favorite team are no longer on the same page. And it seems like in this post-playing career era for Strasburg now, things have soured to the point where they've gone sideways enough that maybe he's not going to be around the team anymore. It is inevitable that it gets into the confusing territory where it's like this counts against their 40-man roster spot, not the active 26, but that takes up a spot. And if in order to do that, they have to then have him show up, they can place him on the 60-day injured list or whatever all the different mechanisms are in terms of the luxury tax calculations and deferred money. It's a bunch of things that fans really don't care about, to be honest with you. And even a certain radio hosts whose names rhyme with Randy Duye. The point is they are at odds here. And it's the least of, you know, the, the, obviously the number one concern Big picture is Strasburg's health and his ability to live his life well and 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 all of that. But beyond that, it's just such a shame, right? That this guy that was this number one pick, this you know lightning strike, this you know the entire league uh, would show up at his starts, and he was you know selling out road arenas in Cleveland and, and everywhere else just to catch a glimpse of this guy. And he was sensational, had so many great moments, some down moments too, but some huge, incredible, phenomenal uh, you know World Series championship moments. You know, shoving it on the Dodgers moments, shoving it in Chicago when he was uh, could barely breathe out of his nose because of all the mold, according to Dusty Baker. All these different things that have made him part of this fabric of Nat's lore are now you know distant memories, and he's not going to pitch again. It's this really awkward deal that everybody wants out of, but there's a stalemate. There's a standoff. He is owed indisputably over $100 million left on his deal over three years. The Nationals would prefer not to pay that. I'd prefer not to pay a lot of things. The bills are due. I don't know. I don't know where it goes. But, but here's where it's unique is in other sports, you can't just retire and get all that money. Right? I mean, the idea mm-hmm. of signing a seven-year, $245 million contract is that as long as you're playing baseball, yeah, even if you're hurt or whatever, you're you're going to make every penny. But unless you and the team agree hey, why don't you retire and we'll pay you all the money? Which I'm sure is what Strauss and his agent would tell you is what happened. Unless there's an agreement there, you're not going to retire. Strasburg Mm -hmm. wasn't using the R word. Now, there was the big story in the Washington Post about Strasburg's career ending, and he's going to announce his retirement at 13 years with the organization, and the injuries are to the point where, and they did reporting on how moving and sleeping and all these things has gotten very difficult for him, and it, it painted a very bleak picture that clearly this guy will never pick up and throw a baseball again. He's just at a point where he's trying to have a normal life with his family and his kids. But we find out he's retiring. Then we find out there's going to be a ceremony, and then it gets delayed. Uh, looking back, finding this story here, the Athletic and the Washington Post reported, the Post notes the two sides are still hammering out details and that everything is still expected to happen eventually. But that was before things got worse, remember, with the statement that came out. A day after the news broke, Nationals owner-managing partner Mark Lerner released the following statement. 
Steven Strasburg is and always will be an important part of the Washington franchise. We support him in any decision he makes and will ensure that he receives what is due to him. It is regrettable that the private discussions have been made public through anonymous sources. So they were mad at like the Boris camp, I guess, for leaking some of this. Uh, attempted to negotiate through the media, but we have been following the processes required by the CBA. Behind the scenes, preparations for a press conference had begun internally. However, no such event was ever confirmed by the team or promoted publicly. It is unfortunate that the external links in the press have mischaracterized these events. So they feel like maybe Strasburg trying to control the narrative got ahead of it to say he was retiring, and that came out, and then the team was maybe annoyed by that. But the fact is, you know, from outside looking in, just speculating, it looks like Strauss and the, the Nats are at big-time odds. And they said, we'll see him at spring training. That was the, the end of the statement. It is our hope that ongoing conversations remain private out of respect for the individuals involved, meaning stop leaking stuff. Until then, we look forward to seeing Steven when we report to spring training. And this was last year. Yeah. So this is a... Like, bleep you, we'll see you at West Palm, dude. That was how it was taken. Yeah, you're, you're part of the 40-man. This is from Britt Giroli's story uh, last week in The Athletic. The team approached Strasburg last year about retiring, and plans for a press conference were far enough along that the team had a tentative September date. Then it all fell apart because ownership wanted Strasburg, who has a fully guaranteed $245 million contract, to change the deal's terms to benefit them. That's that's her reporting. That's now, in that story. It goes without saying. I'm not saying that that reporting is wrong, mm-hmm. but that did not come from the learners, obviously. Certainly not. You wouldn't that think. That is from the Boris side of it, presumably. Mm-hmm. What, not directly him necessarily, but you know, this, we'll call it Strauss's camp, as they like to say. Now, they are very likely telling the truth. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to lie about that, but I'm, I'm quite sure the learners would have a different side of that story, maybe. I don't know. But it, that's what it seems like to me, for the record. Yep. Is that he's not? Re- How do I want to put this? He was going to retire thinking he's going to get all his money. Yeah, then they changed the terms. There's no reason for him to retire unless he's getting his money. Right. You owe me two hundred forty-five million. That's what we've agreed to. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get my two hundred forty-five million. I'm not going to announce my retirement if I'm not going to get that money. So the only way for him to have played along, to come out, done the post story, had the September date picked, all that stuff, is under the guise. That, hey, man, we're going to pay you your money. Don't worry. But let's end this charade. We get the roster spot back. You're never going to pitch again. We know that. You know that. Let's. You could be around as a coach. You could be around as a liaison. You could be Ryan Zimmerman, employee number 37 bit. We'll have you on some broadcasts with Charlie and Dave if you want to do that. You won't because you, you don't like doing media stuff. But <laughs> That's like, right. Yeah. We'll, we'll figure this out together. That's kind of what had to have been happening in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know why it sounds like it did change. And they said, well, wait a second. I wonder if we got to give them all 245. The speculation I always heard was, and this again, surely speculative, mm-hmm. but what I was told was that basically the players, um, Major League Baseball, Major League Baseball, not the union, which would have been thrilled by this, yeah, but like owners and, and just MLB and the commissioner's office, and they go, whoa, 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 whoa. You are setting a really, really bad precedent here. If you're going to allow this guy to retire and you're going to give him his full contract, the idea that he gets his full contract is based on him continuing to come back and play. And you know, who knows who called them, why it changed. But that's what I always heard was that other owners, other teams went, what are they doing? Yeah, you, you you can't do that. We can't give him 245 over seven and, and just write the rest of his contract off for services rendered and say, walk into the sunset. And so it changed. 
And why else would he be this angry? You know, why else would he not want to report? Why else would they be at odds if he didn't feel like something changed in their conversation? Precisely. So now cut to today. We're a day before that deadline, right, of him having to report. Are, are the Nationals going to start finding him? Like, I don't think so. Like, to what end here? You see what I'm saying? Like, there's a – this is a nice little game of chicken that's going on. You got to report, and you got to just go through the motions. And, and you know, he's a – by the way, he's a funny dude. Now, it wasn't fun to us. He, he'd rather – How funny is he? I, I've, I've been told by numerous people that that guy has a really funny, dry ah. sense of humor, and he is he can be entertaining. Among his teammates, he, among us, he'd rather eat scorpions. He's a great pitcher. Yeah. Well, that's funny. But he, – I, I, the, He's a funny dude thing with people who have never – Shown any interest in being funny, it just always kind of ricks me. I know, a bit. which I get. I, I'm sure around the right people in the right situation, yeah, his teammates where he's comfortable and he's he, happy, he can crack a joke and make someone laugh. He's a human being. He's also incredibly smart. He's also, you know, a, a student of this thing and could absolutely offer some experiences to young guys and you know the guys that have been in the spotlight and have expectations. He could help in a certain way, not to the tune of thirty five million dollars worth, probably, but he could offer something. I, I don't know what the end game is here for the, for the Nationals. Right, like, are you like you're gonna find him in the hopes that he what? You, you see what I'm saying? Like, if if, if if you you normally have fines and stipulations and and you know they, de- deadlines in your contract to get guys to show up and perform for you, et cetera, and live I up to services. Think they will, but, because but what's the end game? Here's the deal with that. You, tell me I'm wrong if you if you think I am, please. But I think they would look terrible. I do too, and it's not worth it at this point. Right. I think you just cut your losses and you wear it. Or or you, he doesn't show up, and you just say, hey, we're we're expecting him here any time now. Like, he should be here. He's part of the team. We're counting on him being here. We think he could help us. I mean, he is on the roster. He's taking up a 40-man spot. Like, that's not that cool either. No. I mean, from his standpoint, and look, I get if he thought he was getting all his money, and then all of a sudden, maybe he wasn't, you can be annoyed. But you're making a lot of money, man. $245 million dollars. A contract in which you're going to end up pitching less than, what, 50 innings? I think it was 30-some innings or something like that. It's not that big of an ask for you to hop on that bird and head down to West Palm Beach and, you know, put a jacket on and uh, stand behind. Give Jos- a couple guys knucks and Jos- talk to Kate Cavalli about, yeah. a, about a, a slider grip. Stand behind Josiah Gray and, and, you know, play nice in front of the media for a couple of minutes. Uh, the team's paid you since the World Series. You know, which now this is his third contract, essentially, with the Nats. Mm-hmm. $35 million in 20, $35 million in 21, $35 million in 22, $35 million in 23, $35 million more this year, and then it combines $70 million divvied up evenly over the next two years. So go go to camp. <laughs> you know, like yeah. everyone knows you're not going to pitch. But if you're asking me, do I think they're going to like fight this or, or go after him for money or say he didn't report so now we can get cash, I think that would lead to – and I don't even know if that, that you can do that. I, I really don't know what the rules right. are. I was trying to get an answer for that today and, and wasn't able to. But to me, there's no upside there. Right. This is one of the most important and beloved players in your organization's history. Is that really a fight you want to pick? Want to see what you guys think about all this at 800-636-1067. Nats fans, A, do you think he shows up and B, where are you at on this uh, seeming stare down between the player and the team? We're Grant and Danny on the fan.
Grant and Danny on the fan. That's spring training ongoing at West Palm Beach. We'll be down there March 4th, 5th, and 6th as a show, which will be a lot of fun. By the way, we had a call earlier. I think it was our buddy Chris in Hyattsville asking about the uniforms being worn in Major League Baseball. You know, initially, I just didn't care enough to weigh in because people were upset about the jerseys and that they don't look good enough or they look less awesome than last year's and the stitching and the spacing on the back of the nameplate. All that nuance meant nothing to me. But I'm now willing to engage on the pants because the pants are hilarious. (laughs) The the pants are see-through. Yeah. You can't have see-through pants. Generally, it's just not a good thing. But what we're finding out is that occasionally uh, to go take pictures and maybe even work out, sometimes players don't wear anything under their baseball pants. Yeah. You might want to start doing that a little differently. Yeah, I would, I would say. my from One of my best buddies for his wedding, he had these really nice yellow slacks that he wanted all the groomsmen and everybody to wear, uh, That we and we all got them. And they looked great. They were awesome in all the pictures. Well, in the church with, you know, spotlights kind of bearing down, Yeah, everyone knew what kind of underwear everybody was wearing with those yellow pantaloons. I bet. There was no mistaking. Yeah, there was a picture yesterday of a player on the San Francisco Giants who was kind of sitting with his legs open, like with a bat. Uh-huh. And he had, you know, a couple of baseballs centered up right there that were pretty obvious. You could see through those clear pants. Yep. I called my buddy last night uh, who pitches now for the Cardinals. He was on the Orioles last year, Kyle Gibson. And I, th- I said, hey, man, you might want to wear some sliding shorts under those pants. Yeah, you got to double check that. And there. he was all annoyed and talking about the uniforms. And his came in the wrong size for the first time in a bunch of years Ooh, and everything. That's tough. They're sorting some things out. Mm-hmm. But Nike is, uh, they're not batting a 1,000, it doesn't seem like. No, so they're not. This week with the baseball uniforms. Let's go to Paul in D.C. Paul, we were talking Steven Strasburg. Deadline to show up tomorrow. Him and the Nats seem to be at odds. There's question as to whether or not he's even going to be at spring training. What do you make of this situation? Well, the, the way I see it is whenever the players make a mistake, we always say, well, they should have had better representation or they should have did this or they should have did that. Well, when the billionaires make a mistake, they always want to petition the fans to look at the players and have sympathy for them. In the words of Kobe Bryant, when they asked him to take a pay cut when he got that $25 million in the last two years, he said, I'm not the richest man in the building. Okay? So at the end of the day, Strasburg has already paid the learners back for whatever money that's due to him when he was the MVP of that World Series. He won them a title, and he got them the ring, and guess what? They can make money off of that. How much money did they make off of the World Series shirts and their hats and, and all of that stuff, the replica Stanley uh, Cup? Uh, I mean, not the Stanley Cup, but hey, the, the World replica World Series trophy. Oh, you're right. I mean, now they didn't make as much as they should have because the pandemic the old, came and wiped out the celebration and everything that was planned for the following year. But your point is well taken. They're going to be giving away rings for the five-year anniversary, believe it or not. How crazy is that? That's nuts. This year at Nats Park at a game. So they're still benefiting from and and kind of selling their World Series title in a way. Lou in Arlington, what's up? Good evening, gents. Hey, buddy. I like like what the last caller had to say. It certainly is the learner's fault. They signed the contract, number one. Number two, they didn't insure it. So they made two mistakes. But I do think it's in Strasburg's interest not to meet them halfway, but to find some gentleman's solution so that everybody can save face. Beneath the contract, stretch it out, get basically the same amount of money, maybe cut a couple million off it, but basically 90, 95 percent. 
and then free up the roster space. There's there's a way through on this. Everybody just needs to be grown-ups. Well, there certainly felt like there was at one point in time. It felt like everyone was harmonious on it, yeah. But short of, you know, a lot of communicating and them getting on some harmonious page that we don't know about over the offseason, it was not that way at the end of last year where it got, I mean, the reporting was pretty acrimonious between the two sides, obviously. Yeah. But you would have thought, hey, we could figure this out. We need your roster spot. You want your money. Let's find a way that everyone gets what they want in a way that works for everybody. Like if you're Strauss, you don't need all 245 over the next couple of years, right? Let's let's Bobby Bonilla this thing. Maybe. You get, your, get your 245 over 20 years. <laughs> Who likes those deferments, right? Yeah. Um, but look, the player, he, he, he might, it might be this simple. You guys signed the contract just like I did. I can't get out of it. You can't get out of it. Pay me my money. It, that that could be kind of what it is, and, uh, and I think maybe after the, as you said, the acrimony or the misunderstanding, however you want to categorize it, I mean, we don't know everything. I think after that, that may be the stance. Like I was willing to work with you, and then you kind of switched up on me there at the at the eleventh hour. It may be to that point. Do you think Steven Strasburg shows up tomorrow? I don't. Do you? I, I did earlier in the week because I kind of I was like, well, he probably has to, but the more I think about it. I don't think there there's really a recourse. I don't think they're going to pick a fight and come after him and demand money. I don't even know if they can, how that would work. So I'm going to say no, he doesn't actually, which is crazy to think about. But uh, if he does, if he does the, you know, Marshawn Lynch, I'm here so I don't get fined. Yeah, the stop thing, in the high. Yeah. Then at least he's there. I wonder what that means. Does he stay? What's the role? Mm-hmm. No idea. Grant and Danny on the fan. Uh, next, the G&D. Tony's Mailbag, the Grant and Danny's Tony's Mailbag. You call us up, you ask whatever you'd like. It could be sports, non-sports, something you don't think we talk enough about, something you want to get our take on, we haven't addressed on the show. It's an open lines, ask us anything. Grant and Danny's Tony's Mailbag, next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.